You are listening to Soul Stream. We're in pre-stream right now. I am your host, John Almada. Good to be here. We are live in Studio A. And I have um, coffee in hand and getting all set here. It's a beautiful spring night, almost summer. Worked outside the garden a little bit. Got all kinds of little plants poking their heads up. I got in a little bit late with the garden in May. And uh, still some of it coming up, but uh, lots of beans and uh, squash and wonderful things getting ready to go and uh, take off. Got one giant squash plant. Going to finally get something to eat out of that garden pretty soon. <laughs> anyway, we're going to be um, broadcasting a uh, show we did back in 2009. Uh, I did this when I was with Blog Talk Radio, and um, I'm currently in the process. I've actually completely moved over all my shows over to my uh, local server. And um, I'm selecting the shows that uh, really were the uh, kind of the outstanding ones we did. And I did like 300 shows out there on BTR. And uh, this one I just happened across the other day and I thought, I'm going to work with this. And it needed a lot of work with the audio because of the, there was a hum in the audio from my old, old studio when I didn't know anything. And uh, I uh, cleaned all that up. And uh, not only that, uh, it's uh, it's a show that kind of tugs at my heart because it's Mark and Debbie Constantino. And we all know everything that went on with them back in 2015. But um, this was in 2009 when things were just really kind of kicking for them. And um, I like to think of it as them at their best. So, yeah, we're going to be sharing uh, that episode and... Um, It'll be kind of weird to hear myself uh, in the background there, but um, yeah, I'll talk a little bit about it before we uh, start, and I, I kick off the play, and um, we'll take it from there, but let me see what we got. We're about three minutes out, two and a half minutes, but yeah, um, the way I'm going to uh, share this with you guys is that it's... Um, it's really meant out of a great deal of respect for the work they did when they were at their best. And uh, I think it's going to be something of a tribute show for them. And uh, however they may have ended up you know, with this whole thing that happened, or however they did end up, excuse me, um, it doesn't represent their lives, you know, the sum total of their lives. It's all the work that came before and the beautiful things they did. So, yeah. I I see that, my producer. Thank you. All right, we got about a minute 30 before we go live. Anyway, um, I will probably say everything I just said again, but uh, I just thought I'd get it for the people who are early birds here. Got my coffee, got everything ready. And, uh, yeah, we'll... Um, I'm going to start the show off, though, and just kind of let it run uh, after I talk a little bit, and then uh, we'll come back on and close it all down. Uh, I think it ru it'll run roughly an hour and some odd minutes. I can't remember what the total time of it was, but uh, 
we'll just take it from there. Anyway, we got uh, 50 seconds to to our going live. With the official start of the show, that is. Twenty seconds. Listening to Soul Stream coming to you live from the Sierra Nevada range here in Northern California. I am your host, John Almada. Always would be good to put me on uh, the webcam. There I am. Good to see you guys. Move the camera around. I'm right in front of me. Is you looking at me with that big camera eye? So I see you guys. Um, I am going to be turning the music down a little bit. But uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about, um, uh, actually, let me get my glasses back on. I can't see here. Whoops, wrong view there. I'm looking for the PC view. Well, that didn't work. Well, anyway, we'll just uh, make that work. Um, We're going to um, be talking about... God, I've had one of those nights. I, I looked at my, sh- uh, I was looking at my OBS screen and I, I, uh, I got to make some changes to it here probably after the show, but I was going to switch off the camera and I can't, <laughs> it's one of those things. Anyway, we're going to be, um, sharing a rebroadcast from May 25th, 20, 2009 from, uh, two very special guests who came on the show. Uh, back then we were ghostwriter paranormal radio. And uh, we were on Blog Talk. And um, it is one of those uh, shows that is um, kind of burned in my mind because it, um, when the thing that happened to them in 2015 happened, it was the first thing I thought of, of, oh my goodness, um, how did it come to this, you know, with them? Yeah, let me turn that music completely off. I've been one of those nights with equipment. I'm so kind of, I'm a little emotional about this show because um, I really debated whether or not I was going to do this. And uh, uh, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that, um, uh, as I was saying in pre-broadcast, for those of you who listened, um, Mark and Debbie were not defined by what ended up happening to them. Uh, They were defined by the the EVP work and uh, ITC work, which is instrumental transcommunication work that they did. They were uh, very, very experienced paranormal investigators. They really knew their job. Uh, I actually met them uh, back in uh, 2008 in November. I met them in uh, uh, at a place called, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of this, uh, Wolf Manor. 
and it was uh, near the town of Fresno. I'm trying to remember the name of the exact town, but it starts with a C, and my brain completely just uh, left me on that. But uh, we went to a paranormal event there. Actually, I drove down myself and uh, spent the night down there. After you know, investigated uh, the facility, and it was uh, it was every bit as haunted as it was claimed to be. And uh, they were right there, and I was sitting right next to them as they were doing their EVP work and doing live EVP uh, playbacks and things like that. And uh, let me tell you, they are um, the real deal. You know, they really knew their stuff, and uh, I learned a lot just by watching them. Uh, they did a fantastic presentation there at the hotel that uh, we were all staying at. Um, and it was just, um, you know, I actually have pictures of that. I should have put some of those up. Um, actually, you know what? I do have photos of them. We can uh, go pull that up. Um, if we look on the guests, they had a lot of videos. You know what? Maybe I don't have that. Well, I, I you know what? I will put some pictures on the show page for tomorrow. Uh, from the presentation that they did, uh, but it was a uh, it was a wonderful thing that we uh, got to witness them talking about EVP. Uh, they were sharing their ideas and techniques, and uh, while I was there, I was just in the process of deciding to do the show as a um, uh, as a, a regular going concern. It was November of two thousand eight, and I had just signed with uh, Blog Talk about the time I went down to do this whole expedition with uh, them there. I got to meet TAPS, too, some of the people from TAPS, uh, Amy uh, Bruni, and uh, there was the Irish gentleman. I can't remember his name right off, but he was there. Really friendly guy. I, I really liked meeting him. Um, but, you know, it was just all around great people. And um, when we did the... Um, uh, we did the investigation and all that. Uh, they were right in there with all of us, and everybody was just uh, on first-name basis, and it was just, uh, it was really great. Um, but anyway, I uh, I did the, I started the show off, and uh, about, what was it, April of uh, 09, I got the idea that I'm going to just see if I can invite them on the show, and they just immediately accepted. They were super nice about it. And uh, we had them on, and it just turned out to be a really great show. So um, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to start off the audio, and I'll uh, kind of switch the camera over to just my alien view. And uh, we'll let the audio run, and then when this is over, I uh, guess to the end of the, um, the uh, broadcast, I will uh, get on, and if anybody has questions or anything like that in the chat, I'll answer those. Uh, let me see who's on. Oh, I see Mike is here, and I got uh, got my producer. I got uh, Ryan is there. Hello, guys. Good to see you. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and get this started. I'm a little disorganized tonight because I'm my back is killing me tonight from the stuff I did out there in the garden. So I'm going to go ahead and fire this up. Okay, everybody, let's hang tight and look for landing radar. Flight guidance. No guidance. We'll need that landing radar by Okay, here we go, guys. I'll see you in a little bit. Okay, we got data back. Radar flight looks good. Rod. 2,000 feet. 
Right. 2,000 foot delta 8. Okay, all flight controllers, I'm going around the horn. Make your go-no goes based on the data you had prior to LOS. I see we got it back. Give you another few seconds. We're yawing, flying. Okay, retro. Go. Fido. Go. Guide. Go. Control. Go. Telcom. Go. Jinsey. Go. Ecom. Go. Surgeon. Go. Capcom, we're go to continue PDI. Coming to you live from the slopes of the ghost-filled Sierra Nevada gold country and in the paranormally active shadow of Mount Rainier, it's Ghost Rider Paranormal Radio with your hosts, John Almada and Kat Lang. I sound so All right, bad we're going to be introducing our guests, Mark and Debbie Constantino, and I'll just do a brief uh, introduction before I pick the lineup, and hopefully they're on it. Uh, quote, we are a husband and wife paranormal research team specializing in EPP, electronic voice phenomena, and we've been married since 1989 and reside in northern Nevada. And it goes on to say that they've been blessed enough to have traveled and investigated with some of the most haunted locations in the country, with some of those, the most prominent people uh, in the field. And over the past several years, we've been channeling uh, most of our time and effort into uh, con- receiving EVP on a consistent basis. And uh, they believe in it, that there is a process that allows us to reach out to our loved ones, uh, giving closure to the dead as well as to the living. And they also believe that EVP is a huge tool that can aid uh, police in crime solving, considering that I just had that little experience at the cemetery. Uh, who knows? Maybe that will help. Maybe we can talk to them about that. With that said, I'm going to just take a brief moment and see if I can get Kat and, and the Constantinos on. Hello. Do we have a... Hello. Welcome aboard. Hey, how's it going? Hi. Pretty good. Yeah, it was good to get you guys on with us, and we just appreciate your time. Oh, yeah, no problem. It's a three-day weekend, so we have a couple minutes. Okay, (laughs) well, we appreciate... Pretty good. Uh, I was just uh, noticing about the, uh, the crime solving, and I was just... I just thought that was interesting. Have you actually worked uh, police cases? Uh, well, actually, yeah, there was a case in Reno that was on, on oh, America's Most Wanted. Uh, it was Brianna Dennison. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you, but we live in Reno, and uh, we know where the body was discovered, so we just drove over there, you know, where the body was found, actually. It was an open field where snow had melted, and the body was discovered there. She was a teenage girl, and we have teenagers, so we just figured, you know, it's not going to hurt. So we went over there and uh, just tried to get some EVP, and um, uh, we used some in our PowerPoint. Do you remember exactly what was said, Mark? Uh, well, well, they what? said truck sold, which we later found out was was the case. Uh, the oh guy sold his truck in Washington, but uh, there was one also where um, where. It, and we don't know for sure, but it was a female voice. And um, and what we picked up was, Mom, Mom, I'm drunk. And uh, at that point, you know, there's different theories. You know, we're thinking that maybe whatever, what ended up happening to her happened so fast that at that point she didn't realize that she had passed on. And um, Oh, my. And yeah. which would prop, that was the first thing that resonated <clears throat> in me. And, you know, would you feel like maybe drunk or maybe people weren't paying attention to you? Or, But what was really odd, and I know this is a no-no and people say you shouldn't do it, but what I did was in my living room I had uh, had the America's Most Wanted on TiVo. So I played it very, very low, but I played it loud enough to where anyone in the room, spirits, 
and otherwise could hear it. And I kind of talked to her first, and I said, you know, this is about you. They're trying to find, you know, before the murder was solved. We're trying to find who did this to you. And so I played it. Um, I recorded along with America's Most Wanted very faintly in the background. And yeah. the word mom comes in. It's the exact, you know, it's a tangible voice to where you hear the mom. And I heard that with the America's Most Wanted. I heard that where her body was found. I mean, it's a tangible female voice. She was 19 years old. Wow. So, I mean, oh. there is no end to where, you know, this can go. You know, I mean, a lot of people believe earthbounds are here because they're not, you know, they're, it's an unsolved crime. I mean, that's a perfect way for a body to get stuck, in my opinion. So if we can help them, you know, and help the police and help ourselves, who knows where this can go. And, right. and what, ended up, what ended up happening real quick is uh, Debbie and I had a talk, and there was some other stuff we got through EVP, and... Debbie said, you know, we really need to go down and talk to the police about this. And yeah. I said, you know, when we go down there, they're going to tell us, first of all, they're probably going to think that we're involved. Then they're going to say, you know, get the hell out of here. We're too busy. And then she said, you know, if we don't do something with the information that we're getting, then we're really not worthy of getting it. And, and really that made perfect sense to me. And I said, all right, you're right. I said, we'll take a trip down to the police station. So we went down, and uh, one of the, the detectives working the case sat down with us, and, you know, we kind of told them what we did. And, you know, I said, you know, you don't have to believe in what we do. You know, just, you know, but listen to what we have. And, and anyway, he ended up giving us his email. And I said, you know, we'll send you whatever we get. If it makes sense, fine. If it doesn't, that's fine also. So there was a communication going on back and forth there, and they did end up solving the crime, I think, probably about six or seven months ago. Well, the thing, too, though, which, you know, is interesting to me is, you know, you develop an ear for it after so many years of listening, and there were so many things that, you know, she even gave, like, letters to a license plate. But the thing of it is, if you're not used to hearing it, you wouldn't be able to pull it out. But, yeah. I mean, if they're able to do this and if they're able to, you know, help, we said, you know, w was he alone? Was he married? Did he have children? Or, you know, all the, all these things. But, you know, the amazing thing, too, with all these, you know, paranormal shows out, you know, 10 years ago, they would have slammed the door on us. But now, you know, they opened the door. You know, we were able to send back and forth information. But from developing an ear, we know the truck was sold. I, oh, God, I think they gave us a color as well. But, you know, if they were, you know, have enough faith in us to say, okay, well, we hear this. I mean, the cop was sitting there, and, and I had it on my recorder, and I actually played it in his ear. That's how we first started with this. But, you know, there's no end to where it can really go. Yeah, it's and funny it, because – oh, go ahead. No, I – well, I was just going to mention something else we did with Natalie Halloway, the girl in the Ruba. Uh -huh. Oh, my. And, yes. Uh, yeah, we have uh, – well, this is kind of – uh, kind of a long story, but we had lost a child as well, and I never, I don't watch the news, I don't read the paper, I'm, I'm just like a psychic sponge, so, and Mark reads three papers, so if it's juicy enough, it'll gravitate to me, type of thing, but CNN was on, and I guess our mom was on TV, and I was just literally being sensitive, like almost like I was made of metal, just pulled to sit and watch it. And like 40 minutes goes by, and Mark is like, well, what are you doing? You know, you don't watch that. 
And I said, no, we got to go record. And I recorded, and we got three spirits finishing one thought. And it was like, what I tried to do is uh, connect with my spirit guide, connect with her spirit guide, because, you know, chances are, it's a, a shame to say, but I don't feel like, I feel like she might be around. So I went to my guide to go to her guide, and we got, yeah, I know her. Yeah, she's buried in Aruba in the water. Yeah, and we got this from our porch. We had a magazine. Uh, I think it was a Time It was magazine. like a star magazine. I like to work with photographs. Right, so we had a photo yeah. of her that we just put out with us on our front porch here in Reno. And, um, and yeah, we, we picked that up. And it was first thing <clears throat> right out of the recorder. But Oh, my God. And, and real quick, there was also, we also picked up an EVP in, unfortunately, it said, they're not going to find her. We we got that also, and, you know, hopefully that's yeah. not right, but, you know, well, so far they haven't. Yeah, but that doesn't mean she can't cross, and you know. No, I didn't say that. No, 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 but, you know, there's a flip side, too. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, yeah. the... the the crime thing got to me because, uh, you know, something happened here at a cemetery that I've kind of taken under my wing a mile from me right where I'm sitting right now. And I discovered uh, yesterday that I hadn't been in there uh, for a couple of months. And I noticed uh, when I came in that this the main area of the cemetery had been severely vandalized. And I did some EVP work there. And this uh, one spirit comes on and says that... Uh, you know, you should be putting a light in here. They're wrecking the place. And oh, then right wow, after, wow. yeah, and then another one comes on and goes, there was eight or nine of them. And it was real clear. I mean, you know, it's like Class B stuff, but, you know, you can pick it out. And yeah. they're just, they're sitting there asking for help, and I'm going, what do I do? And, I, and I, I'm glad you two are on because you've been through this kind of thing. And, yeah. uh, I, and, I, and I had the same worries about calling the police and having them think I was the screwball that did it. And, you know, oh. I care about the place. So Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and before we did this, I mean, this was like, a, you know, it was on America's Most Wanted. Who knew? It could have been your neighbor doing it, you know. We, we live in Reno. I have teenagers in Reno. The, You know, we would get like a, a letter from FedEx or something. I, I smoke on my porch, and I would see the guy, you know, screeching from the house. I'm like, oh, my God, they're coming to get me, you know. But it's like that fine line. Do you do it or do you don't do it, you know. Thank God it was the thing to do and people are listening, but, yeah. Well, you might want to think about, hey, you know, can you describe who did this or, you know. I can. <laughs> oh, in the cemetery? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, a, a sensitive and I, I, I have the gift of extreme remote viewing. Oh, wow. If you give me a place, I can tell you exactly who's there, what they're doing, how, why they did it. I've helped the police out here with cases myself. Oh, very cool. Um, So... I've been doing this. I was born with the gift. I've been uh, my first recount of the, the first account of me doing something like this was when I was about two, and it's just continued my entire life. I help groups across the United States with uh, with cases that they're on. So, wow, yeah, that's amazing. I'm just one of these extreme people that can do this, but I, I like to help. So, oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, I've got uh, three of you then <laughs> to call. <laughs> but I, well, I think I am going to call the police on this uh, tomorrow and just let them know that uh, you know maybe that uh, that I've seen this and um, um, 
at least get out there and take a look at it and take it from there. What I did do is I went out on Amazon and uh, bought some uh, different signs and some cameras, and I'm just going to give them to the business owners uh, there uh, to try to just kind of show that somebody's looking, you know, you know, with video over this whole, you know, uh, cemetery. It's not that big. It's one of these gold rush cemeteries, you know, you know, you know, the kind of ninety people maybe, yeah. but. Uh, but it's is it like the just, wooded cemetery? Yeah, it's uh, it, the Shingle Springs is an old gold rush town. It was a uh, at one time it was the largest uh, railroad terminus west of the Mississippi, and then it did, the boom died. You know when the the gold wall ran out, and uh, that behind where the railroad terminus was up on a hill is a cemetery, and it was not only uh, for whites, but there had been uh, a lot of the Miwok Indians were buried up around there too. So there's all these unmarked. And so we get really yeah. interesting EVPs out of this place, and they're really nice folks, and uh, I really care about them. So yeah. when oh, I found I that, I I was just heartsick, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, so what? The, I'm sorry. What concerns me is, you know, I don't know. And this was just told to me. If it, I was raised in front of a cemetery, and if the cemetery is kind of secluded, kind of wooded, and now you mention it's, you know, maybe Indian ground. I, I just pray that this isn't ritual because, you know, it's one thing you can replace a gravestone, but when you, and, and this is only my opinion, but when you do something like that, you kind of open up a portal that, you know, with the icky stuff you really don't want to deal with, you know, yeah. especially when you care about the people. You know, Mark, well, the cemetery oh, you know, around here. No, we have a cemetery around here, but it's very unkept, and they're talking about moving the bodies to build another wing for the college, and you know, I know I know exactly how you feel because there's a couple, and I just get a picture in my head. I don't. I guess they were an older couple when they died, but just in the background noise of you walking on the leaves by their graves because yeah, the grass is like two feet high and stuff. But they'll yeah. say, "Don't go, don't go," and you know they're really nice people. And they say a lot of cemeteries aren't haunted, but it, you know. There's a few that, you know, will talk to you. And, you know, they talk about a baby there and all kinds of stuff, but they're generally nice people. Yeah, that's so. a, and it's funny you'd say that. That's exactly what I got. Uh, that one, some of the final ones were don't go, don't go. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. And, and it just pulls at your, you know, your heartstrings. You just go, oh, my. And yeah. so, you know, I, I go back there as often as I can. And, you know, when I was at your uh, uh, thing over at uh, Wolf Manor, when you did the presentation uh, over at the hotel there, uh, you uh, you talked about giving gifts. And so I started doing that, and they really liked it. <laughs> so thank you for the technique. You know, it worked out really oh, good. Very cool. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, they do. Uh, it's like sometimes I'll get a really good EVP, and I'll be like, well, thank you. Is there anything I could bring you from the side, you know? And I think the gold field, they said alcohol. So we made sure Virginia cracked the seal, and we gave the miners whiskey. So we figured, you know, they were miners, so that would be fitting. Yeah, well, actually, no diff- oh, go ahead. It's, and it's no different than really, you know, us on this plane. I mean, if somebody invites you to, your, to, to their house, you know, you might bring over a bottle of wine or whatever. And, I mean, you know, the places that we're going to, I mean, there are spirits there that, you know, consider that place theirs, you know, so it's, it's always a good idea. It's not going to hurt anything. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I've left cigars at the gold field, mm-hmm. all kinds of things. Virginia hides them in the fence. 
I, I, I'm writing this down because guess where I'm going next week? I know, <laughs> you're going to Washoe Club. Oh, are you? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you know. In the miner's cabin, Deb. Oh, the miner's cabin. That is, you know what, we stayed there on our anniversary, which was in January, two years ago. I had more poltergeist activity than I think any other place per, and this was just Mark and I, and we, we stayed two days. First day, absolutely nothing. Well, that's not true. We got EVP from the minute we walked in. But, you know, I could get EVP at home. So, you know, not, not to be, cocky or anything but i was like well yeah it's haunted and, you know 38 miners died on, and supposedly they're buried underneath and right. we had you know the sound of heavy booted footsteps there's two different types of activity going on it's like you know, two different houses really all the way in the back room i believe it's a human spirit all the way in the back doesn't get along with the other spirits well this is just psychically but i kind of get that he was like management maybe the sun or something like that and then yeah. you have these other people that could even be residual. We witnessed, as soon as you walk in the miner's cabin, there's a futon where they filmed Ghost Adventures, the documentary. Yeah. That futon. All right. We heard what sounded like a 30-pound animal ripping what would sound like, if, if you picture like a shopping bag, like a brown bag, ripping yeah. and tearing and ripping. And we're like, oh, my God, we had a recorder's right there, and there's a bed right there facing it. We were afraid to put our feet on the floor because we were like, my God, if it's a possum or a raccoon, is it going to come at us? I swear to God, there was nothing. And it went, first you heard footsteps on the linoleum. Then it went under the futon into the tearing. And then it went right into up into the old part of the framework, a drop ceiling above that. And you heard three heavy, heavy booted footsteps. And then it totally ceased. Oh, my but, God. Oh, man, I'm telling you, for my money, I would, you know, hook up cameras in the washout, but I would stay in the miner's cabin. You know, if, if, if you're between one and three and you're not getting nothing, I'll run over to the miner's cabin. And okay. I, thought that, I thought that real quick. I thought that something had, an animal had fallen. Oh, plus, Deb, you forgot to tell him about the door. But I oh, thought yeah. that, like, an animal or something had fell, fallen from the ceiling. And... um and then at, when we heard all the shredding going on under the futon, Debbie was like, "Oh my God, my shoes are right there under the futon. You got to, you got to go get them." And I said, "You are nuts." I said, "If you think I'm going over there barefoot, oh no!" I was like, "There's no way that I'm getting up and get my shins chewed off." Well, and you know, I forgot to mention the most important thing. Though we were dozing off. And before even uh, we heard the footsteps on the, on the linoleum in the dining area, before it went under the futon, it snowed like three inches. And we were afraid we might have to stay an extra day because to get to Virginia City is a very, like, narrow road, and you get black ice up there and stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of laying there, Mark's asleep. The front door pulls open. It's an old kind of rickety building, and you can yeah. actually see the doorknob tug to where light would seep in every time it was tugged. And it, it was tugged hard, like there was, like it was a police raid or something. I go out oh. there, so you got the front door, the linoleum footstep, it goes under the futon and up into the ceiling. But this, to me, it felt like about two minutes, but Mark and I differ there. But when that front door went, I mean, it was physical. We went outside, it was fresh snow. There was not an animal print. Not a footprint, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Wow. 
Yeah, so you guys are going to have a good time. <laughs> it was not yeah, it so going to enjoy this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then if you go at the miner's cabin, the guy in the back, it's a completely different feel from when you get to that front room with the with the bed and the futon, and, and then there's a hallway, and when you get to the back room, there's a completely different feel back there. And we were asking him if he wanted something. I could have sworn he said whiskey, but we didn't have any whiskey. All we had was wine. So Debbie, Debbie wouldn't go back to the back room, so she kept sending me back to record. So, so I came out, I told Debbie what he said, and Debbie said, well, bring him, bring him back some wine. So I went back, I brought him back a half a glass of wine, and I said, you know, we don't have whiskey. You know, wine is the only thing that we have. I'll leave that here for you. Is that okay? And we got an EVP came back, and he says, I'll drink it. But he was being very, very rude and very honorary and very, you know, like we, we go, we never provoke, and we go in there being nice. But he's really snippy and mean, and but you know the nicest thing he said was, "I'll take the wine." We're like, "Okay, well, yeah. just stay back there, and we'll be fine." You know. Yeah. God, I wonder if he, he's a mean drunk. If you give him whiskey, he might come and go crazy in there. You know. <laughs> I, I don't know, but but I'll tell you, we would not. Uh, we we were there for two nights, and we did not sleep in that back room. I'll tell you, we Zach. We in the front room. Well, Zach slept back there, and you know, as soon as all this happened, I you know I messaged him everything that happened there, and not really knowing the details of what happened to him, and he wrote yeah. back, and he goes, the footsteps. He goes, they were loud, weren't they? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, they were. And uh, you know, he goes, I go, I can't believe you slept back there. He goes, you know, I could see my breath coming out of my mouth and he said I slept there once he goes but I doubt if I ever would do it again so, oh man okay yeah. well <laughs> I, I'm taking that room I'm going to do it um, and all I'll right. put uh, I'm going to do drop recorders through there uh, and just see what I pick up all through the whole place uh, the, the evidence analysis is going to be a pain but okay I'm doing it um, I'll okay. just take in the whiskey and see how it goes but I just want to know yeah. how how is it Debbie that you tell Mark to jump out to save your shoes <laughs> Um, I mean, I, no, I, you know, I had a pair of Uggs there, and I'm thinking, and it was, it was, you know, first, you had to experience it, because first, I, I'm laying there, now he's sleeping, or dozing off, and I hear, and I see the front door go, and I'm like, oh my god, it's cops, and then yeah. the next thing I, I'm, and I'm nudging him, and then you hear heavy footsteps, on, there's like a partition from the dining area to where the futon would be, but it's separated. Then you hear the footsteps. So I'm like, cops, all right, ghost. I know that's a ghost. I hear the footsteps. And now it's yeah. like, okay, and it's an animal. And, and before your mind can conceive what's going on, the next thing you know, it's over. Then, you know, you hear the footsteps in the ceiling. But he witnessed everything from the linoleum on because I'm like, are you hearing this? And he's like, yes, I did. You know, I've never seen him wake up so quick. And I always get, I always have to do the dirty work. That's why she was trying to send me down here for a damn <laughs> Well, that's what men are for. Men need to get the shoes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Darn straight. Sorry, that's I'm our not... purpose in life. <laughs> well, there was no way I was getting off of that bed, though. There was no, it took probably five minutes. I wish we had, though. Yeah. Because took... we had a recorders right there. It, you know. it, it took probably five minutes of us negotiating after everything stopped for us before we got off that bed. It, it, oh was, that, it was that real. It was crazy. Uh, it was real. Yeah, it was I crazy. know. Yeah. I All right. And you, 
and you're an experienced couple that been doing this a while, so if you're looking at that funny, okay, it's uh, we we picked a good spot. Yeah, it, it it was on. You know, the rest of the time was relatively quiet aside from the EVP, like Debbie said. But if you guys get if you guys get what we got, you guys are going to be like totally floored. And you know what's also a really creepy part in there is there's a shower area where there's like three showers kind of in the middle hallway between that back bedroom and the front um, area. And I'll tell you, this is not the first time I know a lot of people. That's kind of local for us. You know, it's about 20 minutes from here. But uh, this is not the first time I've heard this. I had to have Mark sit outside the shower stall while I took a shower. I hear it a lot. People have to drag chairs and wait for somebody to come out of the shower because that seems to be like a real icky area, too. And what they used to do was, um, you know, they would actually have the miners shower before they left work because they were afraid they would stash, you know, minerals with them. So, yeah, take the gold ore and stuff. Yeah, so you were, exactly. you, you felt like somebody was watching you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, so the, yeah, the other two, uh, the other two investigators going with me are, are women. So I'll sit outside. I'll do that. There you yeah. go. Well, what a you, what a scar. Somebody's got to do it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll be the tough guy. guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's the perils of being a paranormal investigator. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's going to have to do it, so you might as well step up. <laughs> okay, I'll step up, but no, yeah, I, I'm a gentleman. <laughs> there you go. Uh, now, you say you guys don't do any provoking. Uh, can you elaborate on that and, and talk about some of your reasonings? Um, well, you know, my first thing is, you know, they're people. If I, if I go into a store and say, you know, how much is this milk? You know, I don't say, right now, I, w- I want you to tell me how much this milk is. You tell me now, God damn it, it's your job. You know, you wouldn't do that to the living, so why would you do it to somebody less fortunate you know, you don't go into, it could be an old lady, it could be a child you're talking to, you don't know who's in the room. So, you know, for me, I don't know, I, I just go in there with courtesy. And maybe some people do cross, maybe this is purgatory, but for every, it, the only thing I, I feel for sure is that maybe it it is purgatory, maybe it's something we're all going to have to go through. I know I wouldn't want somebody provoking me. Now, by the same token, if I'm home or... You know, somewhere and somebody's extremely rude to me or swears at me or, you know, I explain, yo, this is my house. Guess what? You're not allowed here. I don't tolerate that language. And, you know, so be it. But we always go in being, you know, respectful. Yeah, I mean, we're not going in anywhere looking to upset anybody. You know, if, uh, and I think if you, if you go in showing the respect, you know, sure, there's times that you'll get some mean EVP in return. But, um, you know, I think it's best not to kind of, what is it, upset the apple cart because, you know, the next the next person coming in behind you might have to deal with that. You yeah, know? that's... I don't know. Um, I'm sorry. I just want to add one thing, too, really quick. I'm sorry, but I talk a lot. Yeah, go ahead. But, if, um, you know, you go in these places, a lot of these places you can rent for, like, you know, Waverly or any of these places, not Waverly in particular, but $1,000 a night, you got the whole place. You don't know what those people did, who those people were, what kind of crap they broke out to try to invoke these spirits or who knows what kind of, you know, 
trauma that caused them before you even got there. You know, this is yeah. their home. This is, you know, so you go in and you say, okay, oh, there are some more people, you know. So, of course, they're going to associate with you with the idiots. So you, you go in, we basically go in and say, listen, I know there's been other people here before. We just want to learn about you. This is why we're here, you know, and even um, I know the flash might hurt your eyes. You know, I know you guys don't react good to light. So, okay, if we take a picture, okay, I'm going to flash. And we just try to be considerate, just like you would be to, like, the living, you know, and maybe, um, you know, I don't know. It's just it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, I have an experience at the Marshall Gold Discovery Park where I, I tried it just to see as an experiment to see what provoking was like. And I ended up taking this miner off uh, at, at this cabin that's there on the property. And when I heard what uh, came back on the EVPs, I felt so bad. I went right down and I apologized to the guy. And, you know, I just manned up and said, hey, I, I was trying to learn this. Bottom line is, I don't feel good about myself when I talk that way to you. And I apologized. And the guy took, you know, I got an EVP back saying he accepted. And so, oh, it, yeah, and it was really good. I mean, I just did not like the way I felt. It, and and I look at some of the folks who do this with the extreme provoking, and I, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's those of us that come after are going to have to pay the price. And I yeah, think, I mean, yeah, it just and, and what what got me provoking him is I I got there and my K two went crazy, and then I got all these insults directed at me, and so I just kind of took it back to him and gave it back to him. But uh, I realized, you know, hey. Come in and be nice. That's the that's the key, and I seem to do better for it. So, yeah, know, yeah, you do. And because a lot of times too, they'll reckon they know why you're there, especially if it's a famous location. They know what a recorder is. A lot of times they'll start talking as soon as you turn it on. They know what it is. They know what you're there for. They know what you want. And you know, if you're going to provoke, you know, a Waverly is a perfect example. That first floor. I don't know what uh, the people went through there, but. They made a conscious effort not to talk to us. They knew that's what we wanted. And so we picked up them saying, Harry, be quiet, and all this other stuff. But they actually, you know, they are way smarter than we are when it comes to this. And they know what you want. They see the recorder. And if you're going to go in there and provoke them, if you were going to provoke me, why would I want to talk to you? That's what you want from me? Then why should I give it to you? But, you know, and then you go in there with the attitude and saying, you know, I'm sorry, I know there's been a lot of people here that might have disturbed you. This is the reason why we're here. Is there anything we can get you? You know, we'll try to, you know, we're going to be in your position, you know, sooner or later. So we just want to learn and maybe help you in the midst. And, you know, you'd be surprised. You might get a Class A when you provoke. But in not provoking and in actually carrying on a conversation the way Mark and I do, playing it back right then and there and, you know, you know, we, we go to places three, four years later where they'll actually recognize us. I've turned my recorder on, they say, it's Debbie. You know, I mean, it's just, they're people and you just need to treat them as such. You know, Mark and Debbie, uh, take it away. I mean, how do you guys actually do what you do? And uh, how did you get to that, you know, evolve those techniques? And we'll just go from there. Um, well, I guess really, uh, I, we started in our home. And, you know, being sensitive, every house, you know, I'd see stuff and, you know, hear clear audiently. So I always knew they were there. You know, there's no, it wasn't like, you know, not, not that we have a haunted house, but we always have traffic. And, you know, to hear, 
I guess how we started listening right back is, you know, I would see something on the stairwell, and I'd run up there with a recorder, and I'd be like, well, let's see what they said. And, you know, we realized after time that if we take two recorders, you know, we really did our homework online and all that, and we take two recorders, the same exact sensitivity level, everything exactly the same. We'll record at the same time. We'll hit record, and we'll hold it up so they see we're recording. And then, you know, we'll kind of hit it with a flashlight. And we always do voice activated, only because there's not enough hours in the day for all we have to edit and stuff. And for the short bursts, I think that's best. You know, say yeah. one of our recorders rolls like 20 seconds, the other could roll a minute 30. Well, obviously, you know, and we're kind of almost handcuffed together to where they're about a foot apart, our recorders. So it's yeah. basically hearing the same stuff. It's like we're not in two different rooms. And so we'll play the one back that, you know, rolled more time. And, you know, there usually is a response. And what's interesting, it, you know, it's I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it's rare that EVP will come up on both recorders, although it is happening more and more. But each recorder will have different EVP. Why, we don't uh, know. But I've had you know, the same thing. Yeah. It, it's weird. Yeah. And I think when, you know, when you record for EVP, I mean, I think it's just, uh, you know, basic instinct that, you know, like Debbie said, a lot of times we'll see something in the house and then we'll go over where we see it and we'll record. But it's just, you know, instinct that, you know, to play it back because you want to, you want to know, you know, if, if they heard you, you know, if they're, they were in fact there and if, if they have something to say to where you can start, you know, a conversation one word at a time, you know, yeah, and you absolutely just, can. I'm sorry, Mark. No, that's it. It's just, um, I think it's really the only way to go. I mean, what, what's the sense in recording if you're going to listen back to what they had to say two months later, you know? Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, I, I really do need help, and I'm standing right next to you, but, well, it's three weeks later, and I'm, you know, I had it go away. You know, something came up in between the time you recorded and I edited. But, you know, generally, too, if we don't record uh, or we get a little bit busy, it's like, you know, they'll give us a sign or, you know, we had our headphones laying on the kitchen table, which is not the neatest area. It's kind of like my office. I have papers all over the place. And one day we were just standing there and the headphones started just shaking on the table. And we're like, oh, my God, you know. So, hey, should we record? Well, that was a good time to record. But, you know, also, you know, if you're sensitive, which I believe we're all sensitive, but, you know, it kind of validates it in that, you know, you think you see something or something might be stirring at the corner of your eye. Well, record, and chances are you're going to get a voice back. And, you know, it kind of, you know, I've had teachers in, in my past say, well, you don't need that validation. You know it's within you. But I think you're human, and I think that validation helps, you know, and it helps you become more aware. And, you know, I don't think there's a time oh. I thought I saw something to where I didn't. So. Huh. Well, uh, when you do when you do the thing with the, uh, the voice uh, where you're just on voice activation, uh, is it, I don't know how that actually works. I've never actually tried that. I know my recorders have that. I've got Sony ICDs. So do they tend to just, uh, does it really work well? I mean, evidently it is working well for you guys. 
It, it works really well. I mean, we also, what we also try to do is have another recorder that's not on voice activation that picks up everything that's going on. <clears throat> sort of a control recorder. Right. And, yeah. uh, it, it, wor- it works really well. I mean, we have, we usually have it at, it at the highest sensitivity. If you're going to use voice activation, you are going to want to keep it towards the higher level. Um, our recorders run basically one through five. So um, I don't think we ever go down to three. It's always at four or five, depending on if there's any other outside noise going on. If it's like totally, totally quiet, we'll we'll run it on five most of the time. But um, it works really, really well. And you're not, you know, when you end up downloading everything into computer, you know, you're not sitting there with, you know, each recording being seven minutes long. You know, you'll get a recording in. It'll be, you know, a minute and a half or two minutes long, which are really much more manageable. I'm in the process right now of downloading all the stuff we got from the Waverly Conference um, a couple of weeks ago we, where we were when we were there. And we, you know, when we do the conferences, we come back with like five, four or five full recorders. And there's just so much to go through, even using the voice act- activation. And if we weren't, you know, we we would be way more buried than we are now. Yeah, so. I mean, because you figure one conference that's five hours of recording. So if we didn't go voice activation, we would just it would become work and not fun. You know, so we just you know when it becomes work is when you got to seriously stand back and look at it and say what could we do because this is a passion. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what I'm going through right now. I'm glad I'm glad you're sharing this because uh, that's the special hell of investigations. They're they're real easy to do, and then when you get back, it's just oh my god, I got to plow through all this stuff, you know. And and you, you really do love it. I mean, it's a passion with me. But you know, about three hours in, you're starting to kind of wonder. <laughs> so yeah, I am definitely well. I'm sorry, don't quote me, but I got an iPhone for Mother's Day, and I think it's the best gift I've ever gotten. You can, there's apps you can actually record with it. My friends tell me you can do your pictures on it. You can zone in and touch, and, you know, it, it's crazy. You can download your EVP on it, if I'm not mistaken. So I just got it, and I'm not quite sure, but you might want to look into that because sometimes we're stuck at airports for, like, you know, you miss your flight, you're there for four or five hours. I can already have my evidence gone through by the time I get home. That's an <laughs> well, option. I, well, actually, I never go anywhere without a recorder in my pocket. I carry one of my ICDs with me all the time, and uh, it's I've uh, you know I found myself in spots where hey you know let's look around and see if I can get some evidence someplace. And uh, I've hunted a lot of public spots, and it's surprising what you get in the darndest places. You know stuff that oh. nobody's ever hunted, and you go, why is that oh. happening here? Absolutely. They are everywhere. You hit the nail on the head. There is not, I mean, it it might not be labeled as haunted. It might not be historic, but ghosts are everywhere. And when you're paying attention to them, you know, they'll they'll answer you. Really quickly, I was in a car. Like you, I carry my recorder in most places. He was going to a radio shack. It was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And we had a car to where you couldn't press the lighter in because it would just pop out like two feet. So we never used that lighter. And I'm sitting in the car, and I went to light my cigarette, and the lighter pops out on its own. So I go and get my recorder, and I'm like, you know, is there somebody in here with me? Who did that? And the voice comes back really clear. He's like, I did that. And I'm like, well, I'm in a parking lot. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm, I'm in like an Albertson's, 
in front of a radio shack, so <laughs> they are. <laughs> They're everywhere. Why did he do that? Uh, you know, why would he have popped that up? You know, just, it's just my to... theory. If if they're used to talking, and I know they ride in cars with you. I mean, I have absolutely no doubt. I've got EVP to validate it. They follow you home. They, I think they have a tendency not to stay long, but they do. But if they know you're recording all the time, you know, I think they tell their friends, hey, they record. They hear what we're saying, you know. And I think the people that want to talk eventually will gather around, and you'll have your own little I don't want to call them groupies, but your own little band of people that want to talk. And if you don't talk when when you're supposed to, or, you know, or I know they don't have a sense of time, but, okay, I know it's your Friday. Okay. She has a robe on. She, she, okay. All right. She's done with the computer. <laughs> she shut it off. It's time for her to record, and she didn't do it. I mean, I've actually had them to where I, you know, we sleep with, like, I sleep with five comforters and, you know, like five fans in my room. I could actually yeah. feel five fingers pressed down, you know, like trying to shake me, almost like a nurse waking a patient up or something. And, you know, I kind of freaked out when that happened. But, you know, three days later I realized, oh, it was just because I was supposed to record and I went to bed, you know. And, I mean, I don't want to freak people out or anything, but, you know, that's why I say if you're not comfortable recording in your bedroom, you probably shouldn't, you know, things like that. But, you know, they just want to talk and that's what we want to do, so we're, we're all cool with that. As long as they're, you know, of the light, that's fine. Well, speaking of uh, recordings, uh, I've got a few of yours here, here if you'd like to, you know, kind of I'll play them, and then you can talk to what what you got on these. Yeah. Yeah, we okay. can do that. All right. I'm going to flip a page back here, and I think it's number 13. Uh, I call it the 13 Manor Clip. So let me get okay, that pulled and, up. Uh, yeah, and the reason that we went, what we did is we sent you all clips from the Wolf Manor because you guys uh, were there when we were there. So um, yeah. we just kept with the Wolf Manor. Number 13, we were in the front room. As soon as you walk in the front door, it's the room immediately to your left. Yeah. Um, it, it's really, it was really creepy. Kind of outside we, the kitchen, yeah. That room was not. Oh, weird. yeah, the one with the paneling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like the cupboard kind of, the two long yeah. couches. Yeah. Yeah. We ended up getting, kind of getting chased out of that room. But what you're going to hear is you'll hear me talk about, I think we were sensing something, somebody was in there. And I say something like, you know, it's okay. We just would like to know, you know, who you're talking to, who we're talking to. And you hear a spirit say, you're here to look. Whoa. Okay, with that said, we're just going to go ahead and play that, and I'm playing it at 100%. Here we go. Hi, who is here with us? It's okay that you're here. We would just like to know who we're speaking to. Or what you'd like to be called. You're here in I heard that. Wow. <laughs> Definitely yeah. heard that. Uh, let me play it one more time. We always play it a couple of times here. Here we go. Hi, who is here with us? It's okay that you're here. We would just like to know who we're speaking to. Or what you'd like to be called. You're here in Africa. Okay, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> and the next, it, it, it was, what did you uh, think of that when you got that? Uh, you, Go ahead. Uh, the wolf is just, you, you, you've been there. It's, 
you know, shadow people in every room. It's, and I think, I don't know, the wolf stuff kind of really creeps me out to where it's way more than ghosts. And it didn't surprise me at all to get that. I'm just, you know, and there's some really nice ghosts in there too, because they always station us every time we're there in the cellar. And I've actually had them, you know, you have George upstairs on the third floor. And yeah. I'm like, you know, and I've seen George. And I I didn't know it was George when I saw him, and I wish I could have savored it more knowing it was a ghost when I saw it. But, you know, so we'll be downstairs in the cellar, and I've asked the ghost, hey, can you go upstairs and get George because I can't leave here? And they're like, oh, yeah, wait right there, you know? So I think it's all in how you handle yourself and how, you know, I think it takes a while, too, for them to warm up to you. But we've been there, like, three times or so now, and they know we mean them no harm and stuff. But... Oh, yeah. some of the stuff we get there, that's like nothing, you know. Oh, uh, I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to going back because uh, I went to Mary's room after uh, uh, Barry broke off from us, and uh, mm. it was kind of free free hunt time. Got up there, and I uh, sat a while next to uh, in that chair next to the bed there, and the next thing, I, I uh, when I actually played that back, I got a voice saying, you, I hate out. <laughs> and it, and, Ooh, and then you hear... Well, it, it sounded like a woman's voice, and then it, immediately after that, here's the, there's the sounds of a. And I actually have been um, around. You know, my grandfather actually ran an, an asylum here uh, called DeWitt up near Auburn uh, years and years ago, and so I was I was aware of what kinds of things you see and hear in these institutions. And this voice comes on, which I, I was able to immediately identify. It was a patient screaming, and it was this guy walking around. Just walking around, all he's doing is screaming there on the second floor. And you heard him pass right by the microphone, and he walks away, and he goes all the way out, and then you hear him scream again about 30 seconds later, same exact thing. And it was the most unnerving EVP I've ever gotten. It just, ew. But, but yeah. you know, the thing, the thing with that place is, is it's just, I came out of there, and, you know, I'm, I'm sensitive myself. It took me three days to get back to feeling like I was human again after that. It just wore me out uh, is that yeah. what happens to you guys yeah definitely and i think well my theory on the whole thing is the wolf is a special place of its own it's you know i think there's stuff that exists in different dimensions i think your emotions and if you can wrap your mind around this our emotions are actually food for things on other planes yeah you know, if you're dealing with the insane i mean you know that's a dinner for somebody in another dimension and I, you know, I've seen some things that portray themselves as children. Thank God I've been to the wolf enough times to have seen, gotten enough glimpses of these things to realize they're not kids. But the wolf is a real, it's one of its kind. I, I don't know another place where I can compare it to, to tell you the truth, with yeah. that kind of stuff. All I'll say is one thing. You yeah, couldn't pay me enough You want money. to protect yourself <laughs> before you go home. I have a question in the chat room. Um, Doc John wants to know what you think about reverse EVPs or demonic EVPs. Well, I would say demonic EVP, I mean, you know, define that for me. I mean, because, you know, if you get an EVP that is in a growl voice or a a real deep voice, you know, a lot of people might think that's demonic, but... You know, I would disagree. I mean, yeah, so you know, I, everything you learn or everything you hear about 
the demonic uh, kind of stuff, I mean, the last thing they're going to do is come off sounding demonic. Exactly. They're, they're going to come off as a child. Yeah, they're, they're going to come off as something that doesn't mm-hmm. pose you any harm whatsoever, a sweet little girl. And, they, they, and you know, I, we're blessed enough to have worked with a lot of the best demonologists in the field, and they're not going to give you their name. I mean, they might give you a name, but the last thing they're going to do is to give you their name. You know, and not to say I, I don't want to hear any of the names because wherever they're at, they're aware you're aware of them. From what I understand, I'm I'm no demonologist, but you know I agree with Mark in that. To where they're not going to give you any edge whatsoever. They're going to wait till you totally let them in, thinking they're the sweetest little girl on the planet before all hell breaks loose. Right, right. and then real quick, as far as reverse EDP. Um, Every once in a blue moon, Debbie and I will listen to something in reverse. Uh, That's only because we don't have time. Well, yeah, but but it's really weird. The more you listen for EVP, you'll hear every once in a while, and, and I say that it's probably been three weeks since the last time I did it, but every once in a while you'll listen to a recording, and you'll hear you'll hear an EVP, and it just doesn't sound right. Yeah. It, it just for some reason, it just doesn't sound right. And those are the ones that I'll turn around and reverse and listen back. But just, just you know, everything that I hear, I don't, I don't just listen in reverse. I mean, I think we, we don't really spend a whole lot of time listening to EVP in reverse. I mean, to tell you the truth, we barely have enough time to listen to our EVP straight, you but, know, without, you know, reversing it. Yeah, but I think, you know, kind of there's a... <clears throat> My kind of theory behind it, though, is what if they can't, you know, we, we have done it to where we were in, oh, God, Alameda, and we got a reverse. And forward, one said, they're smoking, and we were outside, and I, you could feel people staring at you from the windows. And, indeed, we were smoking. And then we happened to reverse one, and it said exactly the same thing, same voice. They're smoking, or they are Whoa. smoking. And, but, I mean... It's a whole kind of, for us, an unopened can of worms because what if they don't have enough momentum to, you know, what if they work backwards to forward or who knows how they work or how they do this or how they imprint it? You know, maybe there's a lot to be said for, maybe a lot of them don't have enough energy or just learning how to talk. Maybe, you know, if they're working forward to back, you know, there's a lot there that we haven't even looked at yet. Yeah, and I definitely wouldn't put it past them. I mean, we, we have no idea what spirit is capable of doing. Right, or the knowledge. But I know Bill Chappell was talking about making some products for reverse EDP. So if, if he's into it, so am I. <laughs> That's good enough for me. Well, gotten, I, I agree with you guys. I've gotten one out of all the hundreds and hundreds I've uh, picked up over the last year, and one reverse, and it was just you know startling. Uh, it just didn't sound, is, is this what you said, Mark? It didn't sound quite right. And I thought, is this, and I had never heard of a reverse EVP. Uh, and I thought, well, me, that sounds like it's backwards. And I flipped it, and it was immediately apparent what it was saying. And it was saying, I am here. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but they're comparatively rare from what I've been able to determine. And I guess you guys are seeming to say the same thing. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's also been, you know, I, I definitely think, that they're able to do that. There's also been in the past, back I think in like the 70s and 80s, there was 
you know, times when people would use the reel-to-reel recorders and they would actually pick up EVP on the reverse side, you know, of, of the, uh, of the recording tape, which is not, you know, obviously not where it's supposed to be, where the audio is not supposed to be picked up there, but it was. Yeah. So, you know, if oh, they can do that, they certainly can, uh, you know, I would say they certainly would be able to do something, you know, in reverse. Yeah. What's, what's odd, too, I want to add really quickly, we have an EVP, uh, the, one of the only ones we, I think we ever got from my dad, which is totally his voice. And a lot of times I don't have time to really elaborate on this, but it wasn't there. It's a class A. It's him pronouncing my daughter Alyssa's name, Alicia. It's a class A. It's loud and clear. It was not on the recorder upon listening back. Only when I loaded it into my computer and I listened back, it was at the very beginning, like imprinted on there. So, I have had that happen. I, I know what you're talking about. You weird? play it, you you play it, and it then it appears later, and you're going, wait a minute, I know I checked that evidence before, and yeah, you and go, like huh? You couldn't miss it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah and you're yeah, just going, crazy. huh? How do they and do then that? You know, disappear on you too. Have you ever had that happen? Where you know, you know I, it's there. Oh no, I've not had that happen that I know of, but I'm sure they've done it to me. Oh, I'm <laughs> telling you, you'll get one, and you know, it, not really a class A or anything, but it's a good B. And he'll hear it. I'll hear it. You have five people in the room to hear it, and I'm like, okay, lock that one. That's good. We can use that for the PowerPoint. And you go home, you'll hear exactly the same thing. And we label all our recorders: recorder one, two, three, four, five. It's gone, you know. And I've had, you know, people mention that to me too. It's happened to them, so. And she usually blames me for erasing oh, it or something stop. like that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, tell you what, we've got a few more here. Uh, we've got number 57 if you want to talk to that, and then I'll go ahead and play it. Yeah, that th- this one's interesting, and it, and it almost seems like it's a spirit that doesn't really get along with a lot of the other spirits at the wolf, and, and there's not a lot of spirits there that talk to him or... People, maybe he just perceives that humans or people on this plane like us that go in there don't spend a lot of time trying to talk to him. I think this might be George. I think it might be too, but you'll hear Debbie go through a whole thing. We're down in the basement, and it's echoey, so it's kind of hard to hear Debbie. But she goes through a whole thing about, you know, you know, we're down here in the basement. If you want to come in, you know, you can talk to us, and no, and, think- and we'll play your voice back. And... You hear a spirit say, who's ever talking to me? Like, nobody's ever talking to him, and it's just kind of sad. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and play it right now. So here we go. If anybody wants to talk to person, can you come down into the basement into the room where we are? And I'll play your voice out. Oh, that was clear. That was clear. And it's, a lot, yeah, me... and it's a lot of words for an EVP. I mean, you know, e- EVP is normally one to three words. You know. So wow, that's that's. I, I think they're. Is, I yeah. think whispers they say more, but it's a little more difficult to hear. But I do think this was George though, because it seems like he wasn't very well liked alive, and I think you know we don't. You know, if the majority of people are dead there, then maybe he's not very well liked dead. That's kind of sad. Oh, I'll play it one more time because that was really a good one. Here we go. Uh-huh. 
If anybody wants to talk to their team, can you come down into the basement, into the room where we are, and I'll say your voice about Yeah, it's clear. Yeah, and it does sound definitely there. Yeah, and it just sound it does sound kind of trite, like he's just kind of feeling sorry for himself. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, like very matter of fact. Who's ever talking yeah. to me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we've got number five here, and so we'll just move down the line here to number five. Yeah, n number five is interesting. <clears throat> Debbie and I always say, you know, if you can, you know, try to keep it interesting. And, I mean, let's face it, you go into these places and there's really only so many questions you can ask, you know, unless you really have a deep knowledge of the history of the place, which is always a good idea because then it just opens up new questions that you can ask. So what um, somebody had given us this idea, and we kind of run with it every once in a while. And Debbie, Debbie explains to them before we record. But what we do is Debbie says a word, I say a word, and then we ask them to say the word after I say it. Like a okay. little kid's game, like, you know, dog, dog, cat. You know, and we leave a little pause there for the spirit to answer. Right. So what you're going to hear in this clip is Debbie says black, then I say black, then Debbie says cat, and then I say cat, and then the spirit jumps in and says dog. Absolute origin. <laughs> okay, here we go. Black. Black. Wow. That's funny. Yeah. And they've yeah. got like a great sense of humor. You know, that's, that's something oh. I find with spirits is they're like completely, sometimes they're just absolute loons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to put a whole bunch just for the PowerPoint just on how funny they can be. Did you get that one from the seller, Mark? Did you send them? Yeah, that one's coming up. Oh, okay, that's, good. That's we have a funny one for you, too. Okay, is that number 79? Yeah. Okay, we'll go ahead. Uh, you know, can you go ahead and talk about it, and then I'll play it. Okay, I think I was downstairs, and I don't know. I, I kind of sound like I'm orchestrating something. I'm like, do you guys think you can move anything? Can you knock on the wall? Can you knock three times for this? Or I forget exactly what I say. But, you know, you'll hear a spirit try to interject, but I keep talking. And you'll hear him try to cut me off, but I don't shut up. And then at the end, you hear him say, I ain't doing that shit. <laughs> okay, we'll, well, we'll play it. Here we go. Are you able to walk in front of your photograph and knock on the wall or do something to the mirror? Wow. Oh, no. And it really is funny because when you play it again, listen listen carefully to the part where Debbie is talking because he cannot wait until she stops talking. And you'll hear him say, I ain't. And then she says a couple words and he starts saying, doing. He he really wants to get this out. And then as soon as she stops talking. You're like, he, I'm really perturbing yeah, him. He, as soon as she stops talking, he just kind of unloads on her. Here, I'll, I'll play it again. Okay, let me get this to are you able to walk in front of your 
Oh, God. Oh, no, that's not right. Well, and uh, what we've got, I think the last one we have here is number 82 from the basement from uh, uh, the manor. Yeah, and and that is just, um, that's me just thanking them for uh, speaking to us. And you'll hear a spirit say, you bet. Okay, here we go. Thanks for speaking to us. (laughs) <laughs> that was clear. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Wait, one more time. Thanks for speaking to us. You got to put that on your website <laughs> on first load. Thanks for speaking oh, to us. Oh, yeah. And, and as a matter of fact, this, this spirit sounds a lot like we were in the basement and Debbie was, uh, Debbie was asking a question and she had mentioned it before. She says, uh, is there any way you can go upstairs and get George for me? And he says, okay, wait right here. And it, it sounds it sounds just like it's the same spirit, same voice and everything. Okay. Well, hey, uh, we're going to uh, – we, we did not take our break, and we're just going to keep plowing right on through. Um, we're going to go ahead and open the chat lines at uh, 646-478-0377. So if you have a questions for Mark and Debbie – uh, feel free to dial in, and we'll definitely put you on. And so, in the meantime, um, you—I've seen you guys quite a bit on the uh, the various, you know, Wolf Banner um, uh, live broadcasts. I guess you did one here recently, and uh, no, it looks actually, like actually, yeah, that had got not canceled, but we did do one in the past that was just awesome. I mean, that place just rocks. And when you when I'm only like four people in the whole building, it comes live. And, and yeah, we were supposed to do one. I think it was uh, about a month ago, and um, yeah. we were all we were all set to go, and you know, a whole long story. And then what had happened was five hours before we were ready to actually get in the car and hit the road, our daughter got admitted into the hospital, and we had to cancel out and stuff like that. But I do think we're probably going to be going back in the future. Yeah, hopefully, uh, I want to say in a couple of weeks. I hope we were talking about that today. God, I so want to go back to that place because it was just an amazing experience. Um, I know they're they're having some uh, construction and things that they're doing, and uh, eventually it'll get that back open again. Uh, for I, I don't know, it, 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 you guys have been in there, so it, are they doing a lot of work on it right now? You know, we we haven't been we haven't been there since uh, November. But um, but from what I hear, they are doing some work there. And, and you know, I got to tell you, I mean, and, and it's not only um, the Wolf Manor. It's really it's really wherever you go, whether it's a cemetery or somebody's home or old dilapidated place that's been banged up for 50 years. You know, you really want to make sure that you do some form of protection before you go into these places because. Um, you know, a, a lot of people think, you know, yeah, it's fine. I'm just walking through a cemetery and, you know, I'm going to just turn my recorder on or, you know, but you really don't know what you're walking into and you can end up with uh, with with some stuff that's really not uh, too pleasant to deal with. Yeah. As, um, I just wanted to throw that out there. Okay. Well, yeah, no, I... I it's really odd that, you know, you brought that up, but I'm going to elaborate on that only because I, I feel it needs to be said. You know, my daughter, uh, 
she gets dropped off. We we have two daughters, and um, the older one is the one that got sick. But you know, I don't blame everything on the paranormal at all. But you know, half of we had to cancel everything, and I'm on the porch like usual with my cigarette, and I see my daughter get dropped off. My younger daughter, and her boyfriend stays here quite often, and he, you know, yeah. thin kid and tall build, and I see them both walking up the driveway, and she hits the porch, and I'm like, well, Raquel, where's Jake? And she goes, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, I absolutely saw, you know, I wasn't focusing on it, but I absolutely saw someone walk up to the porch with her, his build. So three weeks uh, previous to her getting sick, my older daughter, you know, I'm seeing in the house something I could describe to you. I mean, it almost looks as though it's in a total body stocking and it was gray. Kind of like the yeah. blue men in Vegas, all right? And, you know, and when I see stuff, I see other stuff just as often as ghosts, you know? And a lot of it, you know, you just figure it's different. That doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. I mean, we could scare the hell out of them. It's like, oh, my God, they have this stuff. It's, you know, all over them. It's called skin. And, and they're, you know, they could be talking about us like this, too. And a lot of times it doesn't freak me out. But <laughs> what freaked me out is three weeks later, my daughter gets admitted to the hospital for a severe kidney infection. Now, being a woman, you know, a kidney infection, you feel that coming on before it gets to your kidney. I mean, you know, you got to call out of work. It, it's painful. So, you know, I thought that was kind of odd. But in the midst of all this, we had rented the car and, you know, hotel, everything. We had to actually get hospital papers to get reimbursed from Hotwire. And so in, in this, we were supposed to go to Linda Vista. So I'm calling people in the L.A. area that I knew that might want to go. And I called a good friend of mine who knows a lot about the weird stuff I see. And I just mentioned it to him in passing and seeing if he could get that day off and go. And his voice dropped, and I'm like, what? And he goes, well, you know, the thing you're describing, um, somebody had thrown a case to him from back east out west, and this particular critter focuses on kidneys. And so long story short, I called, you know, everybody in the book to, you know, I ended up getting a priest here to bless my house just to be safe. But, you know, just as we pray to, like, saints for a snake bite or a headache or, you know, there's saints devoted for typical things. And I'm not saying it's a demon. I don't like to give, you know, credibility even that way. But there is an underworld. And, you know, if there's people that heal headaches and this and that, there's certainly an underworld that works on your body organs and who knows what they can do, you know. And I think it just... <clears throat> Not to scare people or anything like that, but, in the, you know, from now on, I don't care how jet-lagged I am, how tired I am. When my bags are on that front porch, I say a prayer of protection before I walk in my house. And, and I think that's kind of why I threw it out, because, like Debbie said, we're dealing with something, and we do this all the time. And we're always in icky places. I mean, once a month, you know, and when you're real tired yeah. like that, you know how easy it would be just to stick to us and just, you know, follow us home? Especially when you're too tired to pray, you're just, you know, the one thing, don't ever be too tired to protect yourself, yeah. however you do. What do you guys do to actually protect yourselves? What's your technique? Um, you know, to be honest, and I say this in a lecture too, when you protect yourself, as long as you totally believe in whatever deity you're praying to or whatever or however you do it, in a, in, in, I might sound a little paranoid here, but... When you protect yourself, that's like your um, 
if you tell the world, it's like giving the world access to your alarm code. You know what I mean? Right. This is, this is your protection. And, you know, not to say anybody would do anything to hurt it, but you don't know. You know, I'm on the radio. Who knows? You know. It, it's a per. It, I think it's, it, at, at this point we look at it like, you know, whatever way you're comfortable with or whoever you're comfortable with asking for protection, I think we've, through experience, we've come to the point that it really is a personal thing. But and it's prayer mainly for us. Okay. But, but I do yeah. think I do think it's best that you know I do think it's probably best. And I mean, I'm not saying everybody don't ever tell anybody how you do it, but you know, I do think it's probably best that you keep the way you protect yourself to yourself. I mean, Debbie, Debbie has a. You know, things she always says, you know, it's, it's not the, the ghost you have to be worried about. It's the living, you know, it's probably, and Debbie's right. She explains it to where, yeah, we've got a, we've got an alarm on our house, but that doesn't mean we're going to go out and tell people what the code is. No, but I mean, there's plenty of great books out there. Llewellyn puts them out. I mean, just on spiritual protection and psychic awareness and all that. And, you know, whatever you're comfortable, I believe thought creates and, you know, it, you know, if you believe in something, you're activating it. And if you believe in a good force, you you are protected. You know, whether I believe what you believe, you know, I, I create my own reality in a sense. So as long as you're believing in a good force for good reasons, you know, and it hasn't failed you yet, stick with it. Right. And well, I think there are times that, I'm sorry, and I think there are times that we have not protected ourselves, you know, as we should have in and we've certainly, uh, I believe, paid the price for it. So you just got to be careful. I, I, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, I, I would you touched on something too that uh, kind of interested me was that uh, you talked about you know being kind of run down and then going into a particular situation. And uh, you know, I had a situation recently where I was ill and had a hunt coming up, and I just did. Uh, for whatever reason, I just kept getting the message, don't do this, you're not in any shape for it, and I backed out. And uh, I think that's a, I think a good thing to do is is really know your limits. And if if you're going into a, into a hunt and you're not up at full force, uh, I, just, I just think don't think you should do it. Yeah, I think that's great advice. You know, because a lot of people, they're just so addicted to it, they don't care about any of that, you know. Get a strep throat and they'll be going out there, but... It's absolutely because, you know, you're easy prey. And, and I don't want to scare people because I don't think of it like that a lot. But it's out there. And I kind of equate it to like a great white shark. I don't swim anymore since I saw Jaws. But if I, you know, <laughs> there is that chance, you know, it's chances are I'll go in there a hundred times, nothing. But there is the possibility. So I think I'd be, you know, lying to people if I didn't say it wasn't out there. And, and I mean, if you go into a place and, you know, and there happens to be a spirit or, you know, whatever, something from, you know, a, another plane, uh, elemental or whatever, that, that's kind of, you know, looking to, to do no good. I mean, they're, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna try to find the weakest link in the chain, you know, and if that's you, you know, it may end up, it may end up being something very, very minor, you know, where they stay a couple days and then they're gone or whatever, but, you know, that, that is what they're going to look for. And, that, and that's a good idea. And it probably is good. You know, it's good that you listen to kind of listen to your gut. Like you said, hey, you know, I just felt like I didn't need to go and I didn't go. That, that's, that's a good idea. Yeah. 
Well, well, it's funny because my father had a stroke two years ago, and uh, he's basically homebound, and so we, you know, it's pretty much round-the-clock care. And, uh, you know, my mother does, you know, the bulk of it, and then I'm supporting the ranch and doing the things i got to do. But every time we have a, about every five, six months, we have a thing where we'll have to take him to the hospital for whatever reason. And, and oddly enough, the last one just recently was kidney stones, uh, speaking of kidneys. But uh, we notice uh, lots more shadows uh, when we're having an incident about ready to happen, and we'll see shadows, but both my mother and me are, are sensitive. And uh, we'll start noticing, and we start getting that kind of feeling. And I never had done EVP in my own house until just a few days ago, and I got these. Uh, I, we thought they were family, and it turned out it was a whole bunch of names I've never heard before. And they, they've just—and it sounded to me like the spiritual tourists that you guys are talking about. But mm. uh, I, I don't understand why I'm getting uh, so many around when we're about to have an incident, but. I mean, you, and you mentioned that you had the same kind of things you, that they just seem to pass through. Yeah, I, I think we have, uh, I think we have a lot of spirits here that pass through, and I believe we also have a lot of them that kind of stay, you know. But it's good, kind of in in your sense, to where you're more in tune to this kind of stuff, so you see things happening, you know, as they're happening. But the normal person, like I'm not psychic. You know, I, I do see stuff around the house all the time, but if I go to a haunted location, you know, I'm not like Debbie. I'll go into a haunted location, and I'll basically just follow her where she feels we need to go because I don't pick up on a tenth of the stuff that she does. But it's good that you're in tune with that stuff, but the normal person like me wouldn't is not in tune with that stuff. So you bring something home, you know, inadvertently to your home from a location, all of a sudden... You know, you start seeing, you know, the family is arguing more than normal, and you see, you know, all these subtle things starting to happen, but because you're not in tune, you don't real, you're not able to put, you know, two and two together, you know, until yeah. stuff starts getting really, really bad. Yeah, and we, yeah. Uh, just, just like you guys said, uh, I take certain measures around the property and do things, kind of keeping it um, protected through various means. Uh, we'll just say that, uh, and 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 I try to be sensitive to that. So it, but you know, uh, you you said something that was so true. that sometimes you just dive right in, you forget, <laughs> you know, yeah. it just mm -hmm. happens, and then you and we life takes over. Yeah, but and we do that. I mean, and that's what I'm trying to say. We we investigate all the time, all these different places, and we're not immune to you know, to make a mistake. So I think you just gotta kinda yeah. try to get into a habit of, of protecting yourself no matter where you go. Yeah. And, and I think uh, I think you'd be okay. Yeah. I mean okay. for us too it's kinda it takes its toll because we're always traveling. We're always kinda in harm's way. You know? And some people go maybe once every six months, but we're like always going somewhere. And it's usually somewhere very dark, you know, or doctors killing people or, you know, murders or ritual or some kind of crazy stuff that we never thought we'd be going to. So, you know, and it is. It's okay. insidious. It come, yeah, so it's interesting. Well, I'll tell you, tell you what, I'm going to uh, definitely uh, beef it up when I go into the miner's cabin and uh, <laughs> take a few gifts with me, too, just to see how it goes. <laughs> so, but, yeah. uh, hey, uh, we're coming up on the end of it here, and uh wanted to... to uh, 
uh, maybe talk about uh, where you're going to be in the next, uh, you know, anything coming up for you guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, the next thing we have coming up is uh, it's, a, it's a conference called the Haunted Hills Conference, and it's June 5th and 6th. Up in, uh, Oakhurst, California, there's a couple different, there's a couple different locations. A really good lineup of people that are gonna be there. And, uh, yep. Angie's got a bunch of different kind of, um, a bunch of different kind of packages you can get. She's got really good prices on it. If anybody's interested, you got a Barry can, Fitzgerald's gonna be there, Amy Bruni, yeah, Rick Griffith. Yeah, Chris Harding, right. Patrick Burns. Well, yeah, I mean, she's got everybody. Yeah, they're doing the Cheney Theater. I think. Chain some, yeah. I don't know, but I'm excited because it's my first theater I've ever done. So. And uh, if if anybody's interested in tickets, you can go to www.spirit-events.info. And um, spirit-events.info. Mm. And she's got uh, a few tickets left. I talked to her earlier today. Yeah, and then. Uh, in July, we're going to be doing Minnesota. Me, right, Minnesota. I think it's the 24th through the 26th. I don't have the paperwork in front of me. Yeah, but, it's. Uh, uh, I want to say the code. It's their version of Waverly. And how would they contact them? <laughs> we should have this stuff written down there. Yeah, I've got. I've got it here somewhere. Well, it's on the front page of our MySpace. You can just click on there. We have the banners as well as on our website. And you click on there, and it'll take you to it. Then and your okay. your website Great is paranormal Great Lakes Paranormal Convention. It is and yeah, it's that's twenty fourth through twenty sixth. And then real quick, November I think it's the sixth, seventh, and eighth. We're going to be uh, at the Stanley Hotel with uh, Jason and Grant from Taps, and probably that whole Taps crew. Amy so, Bruni and yeah, and um, that's the first weekend in November. So. Okay, and oh, your boy, website is uh, what? Our website, if anybody has any questions or whatever, it's www.spirits-speak.com. Okay, well, hey guys, uh, I, it's just been a real uh, treat having you aboard here, and uh, you know we look forward to maybe having you on again in a few months uh, or six months yeah. out. And oh, uh, hearing what's happening in your lives. Definitely. Well, thank okay. you for having us. We had a great time. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show. Really appreciated it. Oh no. Yeah, problem. thank you. We had a great time. And real quick, you're doing. You're also doing a Washoe Club, right? Uh, I was going to try to get in there. I just, uh, you know, with this father in the hospital thing, I just didn't get enough oh. time to you know, be able to get into contact with them directly. But I'm going to walk by and see you on Sunday morning and just see if I can maybe get in there. Yeah, and if you do, third floor is uh, is a really really active uh, place up there. Yeah, but so okay, I got cool. my. Sh- well, good luck there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'll I'll tell you what I'll I'll uh, send you guys an email after the uh, miners' cabin and tell you how it went. <laughs> oh, you have to. <laughs> yeah, that'll be cool. Okay. Yeah, you have. To. All right. Yeah, just keep your stuff. As a matter of fact, I just wanted to say, uh, after you did that thing with the, because you mentioned it at the uh, conference, you said that they, they took the, you took the uh, the wine and uh, uh, stuff in, and later on, other investigators actually um, uh, were getting EVPs talking about you guys bringing the, the alcohol. Really? Oh, how Isn't funny. That what, 
I thought that's you know, what uh, you... It's really weird. I do Day of the Dead, you know, and I'm not Mexican or anything like that, but if I figured if the veil is thin, it's that one day a year. You know, if it is possible that they eat, well, darn it, I'm going to feed them, you know? So that that's kind of how that kind of evolved. And then I leave cigars out and bread and sugar cubes. And, you know, to this day, I don't know if they ate it or not because every no- November 3rd or whenever it is, we're out somewhere. So I come back and the bread and sugar's gone. So I'm like, was it the dogs or was it them? I don't know. <laughs> and you know, it's interesting because now that, he, now that you mention it, John, I do remember somebody telling us about that, that somebody was in there after we were and they had mentioned something about, uh, <laughs> about us bringing them wine. I, I remember. They do remember you that. though. It, yeah. It's it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, well, not even, you know, material, material things, but just that you're nice to them. They remember that. Well, you know what? I'll tell them from uh, from you. Uh, I'll let them know that you guys inspired this, and then uh, see what they say about it. And I'll definitely forward some EVPs your way. Very cool. Oh, yeah, that'd we, be great. We definitely want to find out uh, what you guys pick up there because it, it is an interesting place. Yeah. Okay. And good luck. Okay. Yeah, definitely email us. Maybe we can think of another few spots for you up there. Okay, we'll do. And uh, so uh, again, a big thank you from uh, Ghost Rider Paranormal Radio. And we'll uh, go ahead and uh, close the show down and uh, just move move along to the next show. It's going to be the uh, sort of the... Okay, that's it there, guys. Uh, you had uh, the opportunity to uh, hear them in action. I mean, uh, some of their best stuff. Um, I hadn't really listened to the show all the way through. I kind of like to surprise myself when I do these replays. And uh, this one has turned out to be one of the best. And um, um, they were just a pair of very nice people to have on. And you could hear it in the way they were approaching, uh, you know, me and Kat uh, as we were interviewing them in the show. And um, uh, someone in the chat asked about, uh, let me come back here. Someone was asking about uh, if it was a, um, kind of a thing that uh, we were basically being asked to uh, play this by them. And I have a feeling that it was because I was getting a lot of, um, of uh, nudges to go back and look at this show. And um, uh, that's why I put the work into it. it. It literally, it took me an entire day to get the audio cleaned up to make it uh, presentable because the hum was so bad. Um, I had to run it through a whole bunch of different software to be able to get that hum out. And um, it was my old, you know, it was my first, um, <laughs> my first uh, mixer board and I had a, I had a bad ground loop going on. And so uh, anyway, it's, it was just a treat to clean it up and to get it where we could really present them and you could really hear them without any of this other extraneous stuff. You could really hear their message. And, uh, I personally think it's them at their best, um, really sharing good advice. And I think that this, uh, the EVP stuff, uh, I've written some of, uh, some about some of the things that she would talked about, like the great white shark. Uh, that's in the book that I'm writing. Uh, and I was just doing that from memory. I had not played this interview back. Uh, just, I just did spot checks, you know, and, uh, to hear the whole thing through the first time with you guys, uh, it really kind of opened up some uh, memories because of all the stuff they, you know, that they did. 
And I wondered, I mean, after they both passed in uh, September, I think it was 2015, um, I've often wondered what happened to their extensive library of EVPs because they had to have uh, some amazing stuff. And the Spirit Speaks website, um, you can get a flavor for that if you go to uh, archive.org and you can see and kind of go through um, the history of their website and see different things. Uh, and I think that even some of the EVPs might still play. And, um, uh, but I have no idea what happened to all their, uh, all their EVPs. And that's, that, that would be a shame if that was all lost. Although, uh, many of us, I mean, I've got some here on this show, you know, that we've been able to preserve and now that's in the record. Um, but I'm sure the, uh, ghost adventures crew, you know, uh, they have, uh, quite a few of those, you know, that you will be able to hear of uh, Mark and Debbie's work there on their shows. And uh, I really do think that, um, you know, I'm just going to kind of put it out there to the paranormal community that, uh, you know, if you go out and you do a search on Mark and Debbie right now in the search engines, you all you see is what happened to them. But what you don't see is any of the, um, you know, the body of work that they did. And uh, that's the stuff that should be front and center, not how they ended. And uh, I think it would really be cool to see a bunch of us get together and maybe put together all the evidence that we have, uh, you know, with the EVPs. I certainly would uh, donate my show over. I make no money at this, you know, so uh, uh, this is done out of the goodness of my heart. I'm paying to do this show. It's not like I get anything out of it other than, uh, you know, talking to friends of mine and, uh, you know, speaking my views out here on Twitch and on, uh, you know, all the podcast stuff. But um, really, it does, you know, it's something that we do out of love, uh, the EVP work that we do. And a lot of people uh, think, oh, you, you, you get out there in front of a mic, you're making big money. It's like, no, no, there's not money in this. Uh, this is about uh, proof of the other side. And now that they're on the other side, I have actually heard a number of EVPs, although I would not play them on my show. Uh, I have a certain policy about certain types of EVPs. Uh, but you know, it's very clear that they did, uh, come through on some EVPs after, uh, but I would not play them on this show. Uh, I think there's a certain, uh, decorum and respect, although with the right type of EVP, um, I could see, you know, something positive or life affirming or something that, you know, one of them might say that might be something I might play down the road. But, um, even now, all these years later, I, I, I wouldn't, I'm still not feeling right about that, but, um, other investigators have done this and I've seen it, uh, discussed in private EVP forums and seen some sharing going on between researchers. So, um, that's probably the appropriate place for it. Uh, but you, you can see some really interesting, you know, famous people, EVPs out there. If you do some searching, uh, let me look at the chat. I'm taking my glasses off and on here. I should be leaving them on, but, um, oh, thank you for being here, Ryan. I appreciate it. Yeah. I've been working hard. You're right. I've been working my tail off on trying to keep all this stuff going. You know, I've restored, uh, for example, Deborah Caruso's work. Uh, she had a ton of, she even had some famous people, EVPs. Uh, she had Thomas Edison, the voice of Thomas Edison. I've done a whole chapter on Th Thomas Edison, uh, actually a whole, not chapter, but a, 
very extensive section on Thomas Edison's work and uh, on EVP and uh, potentially a time machine, believe it or not, a chronovisor. But uh, we'll talk about that in a future show. But um, if anybody has any questions, um, well, you know what? Before I do that, I'm going to speak to a couple of the things that were talked about, the miner's cabin. Uh, let me tell you about what happened after the interview. Um, right after this interview happened, uh, my father had been going through massive, massive seizures. And uh, we had been... Um, I kind of did not say the the actual full truth of what was going on. I, I just said, you know, every six months we were going through hospital visits. Uh, it was more like every every 10 days we were going through massive seizure bouts with him. And uh, we did five years of that. I didn't get the gray hair I have uh, just, uh, you know, just as a matter of uh, – uh, life experience. I got it literally when my father had the stroke, my hair turned gray in one week, uh, from the stress of everything. And that just kept on going on and on for five years. And, um, um, after this show with Mark and Debbie, uh, we did do the, uh, investigation, uh, but I was never able to hook back up, up with them because, uh, you know, my father's condition just got completely way worse. And we went through, uh, uh, you know, just two years of pure hell. And so, um, you know, I never was able to get back with them, but what I will tell you is that the, some of the things that happened at the miners cabin were spot on the money of, you know, especially what they had to say. Um, I had already stayed at the, uh, gold Hill hotel once before in 2005. Matter of fact, that was the, in 2005, I did my very first paranormal investigation ever at the gold hill, but I was in rooms four and five in the main hotel, which are haunted. And I had an old RCA, uh, voice recorder and literally one of the first digital recorders ever. And it barely had any capacity. And uh, I got some, some voices that I, 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 I wasn't sure what I had and I've lost the recordings. I've looked everywhere and scoured for them, but I've lost those recordings. But what ended up happening was, um, uh, when we did go to this, to the miner's cabin after this interview, uh, we took the whiskey. I took crown Royal. My cat is being a crazy cat. She's running all over. Um, we took crown whiskey or crown Royal whiskey. And oh my God, you would have thought, uh, I mean, the spirit voices went crazy. Uh, we came we actually had, um, I think we had about four or five people uh, with us on that, on that visit. And what ended up happening was we did a big toast to them right in front of the yellow jacket mine to all the men who died in that mine and invited the ghost of the house to come out too with us. And so we toasted them and then we left whiskey out for them. And you, you gotta, you gotta know these ghosts were pleased. And we told them who sent this. We told them that Mark and Debbie told us about this and that Mark and Debbie were the ones behind the whiskey. <laughs> and so, so, <clears throat> excuse me, it ended up, we had nothing but good events happen there. Uh, we did not have any of the stuff with the growling voices that you heard them talking about. And I, you know, I, I'm sitting there thinking about the two of them in the bed and, and she's going, you know, go get my shoes. And he's like, I'm not going out there, you know? <laughs> and there's this thing growling around him. We didn't have any of that. It was, um, 
The only thing is, is that the room that they were warning about staying in, that even, um, even uh, you know, the Ghost Adventures guys didn't want to stay in. I went in there and slept like a baby. But the thing was, I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard footsteps going across the top of the ceiling. I literally heard footsteps on, on, it was as if somebody was walking upside down over me across the ceiling, you know, from, I think it was from right to left. And, um, you know, and this room always had a really cold energy. It, it literally, uh, and, and I'm not talking just about cold energy. I'm talking about, it was just plat cold. Um, you know, you're talking about a, uh, uh, we were there, I think in June, yeah, we were there in June and it was still, you know, it was, uh, the heat was really kicking up and it was still super cold in there every time you went in. Um, but I was putting recorders out all over the place and uh, uh, we had a set of recorders running out right by the yellow jacket mine. And you kind of, when you go out the back of the miner's cabin, there's actually the, the shaft, there's a little fence that if you climb over that and you take another few steps, you're going to fall down about a thousand feet because it's the main shaft going into the mine. And they have, they had the head of the mine, you know, the head, uh, the equipment for lifting the carts up and down and all that. And that's the whole point of the miner's cabin is that they would step onto this big elevator unit that this thing would pull up and, uh, they would change their clothes in the miner's cabin. Well, that's been converted into a, you know, a room for the hotel and, uh, incredibly haunted room. And, um, and, uh, there was, had been a disaster in the mine that closed it down. They, that, uh, happened, uh, I, I don't remember what year, but you can look up yellow jacket mine, in Virginia city, and you can read up on the disaster. And there were a whole bunch of men that got killed. It was an underground fire that happened. And, um, uh, I left a bunch of whiskey, you know, we left the whiskey out. So I go out there to change a recorder and, um, and, uh, after we had done the toast. And so relations were good with the spirits there. Right. So I walk back in and it's about, Oh, I guess it was about four or five o'clock in the afternoon, you know, still good light, kind of warm outside. And the back door to the miner's cabin facing the, the actual main shaft. I came in to that back door and it had a screen door and, um, than the regular door behind it. So it was one of those really heavy duty metal screen doors, not this cheap stuff they sell now. I mean, this is a substantial. And so I go to open the door and the door rips forward and I'm thinking, you gotta be kidding me. And I pull the door back and the door rips back. And I go through this like three or four times, actually four or five. And I'm going back and forth. And I finally go, and it, 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 my mind wasn't connecting with what was actually happening. I mean, it was like this emotional thing going on. And finally I realized, and I looked and I went, Oh, you guys are good. And you could literally feel these spirits just going, Oh, we got, we got this guy, you know? And, um, they, and they all had a big laugh and I said, man, you guys are the best. That's, that's the best thing ever. Thank you so much. So, uh, finally they let me open the door. I get inside and I tell the whole team what happened. And they're all like, what the hell? Why didn't you say anything? I said, I was too busy finding the door. The door was yanking back and forth. And I have no evidence of this. It's only a personal story, but I swear to God, I will take a lie detector test, you know, that this actually did happen to me. And um, we did a subsequent investigation there um, the following year. 
And uh, as I was checking in, I just happened to uh, remember this whole event. And I said, hey, let me tell you something. I, I was here last year. And I said, I had this thing happen to me with the door. And I says, this is what they did to me. And uh, the, the two people that were behind the counter went, oh, yeah. Yeah, that happens quite a bit. If they like you, they do that. And I was like, oh, okay, that's that's really cool. <laughs> you know, so it's nice to be liked, you know, by these spirits, you know. But um, we had a amazing phenomena that happened there. Um, there was one, uh, I can't remember if it was that case uh, in 2009 in June, or it was the following year that we did it. But we did, uh, we stayed in the miners cabin twice, you know, uh, for, you know, with my team. And, uh, on one of the expeditions, um, I happened, you know, and we brought wine or not wine, but uh, whiskey on the second one, which they, they loved it again. But, um, uh, it was, it was about four or five in the afternoon. And, uh, I come walking up and there are two, two of the investigators I was with, there were two women were standing there ahead of me about maybe 30, 40 feet, uh, just kind of in a line towards the, uh, towards the miner's cabin. And I look and I look again and there's a pair of jeans without a torso with boots running out of the mine, runs around the two women and takes off and heads towards the miner cabin, miner's cabin. And I'm I mean, I swear to God, I saw this. It was the most amazing thing. Um, and I, I, I recently saw on, uh, uh, one of the paranormal shows I'm trying to, you know, paranormal caught on camera. They showed a video of a, uh, a video capture of this, uh, this white pair of pants running down the street with no torso. And that's exactly the same kind of thing I saw it. It literally, it lasted, um, maybe five seconds, six, seven seconds, somewhere in there. Literally, I mean, I, you could see it was blue jeans, blue dungaree-type jeans. And this guy was booking. And literally, um, you know, the thing I got out of it, it was like a, either residual or it was some some kind of intelligent thing, but half a body. <laughs> you know, I mean, you see something like that, that's going to stick in your brain, you know. Uh, yeah, that's up there. Let me look at the time, guys. Oh, we got a few more minutes. We can do this. Um, let's see. I wondered, did something come home with them? Okay, let's take the ghost in the front yard. Um, about the time that this whole uh, interview happened with Mark and Debbie, um, we were going through all the stuff with my father's uh, illness, and uh, part of that was manifesting as uh, quite literally he had in, he was basically insane. And uh, we were having to go through uh, a whole lot of different medicines with the uh, uh, VA. And they were very, you know, uh, say what you will about the VA. They really helped us. And, uh, you know, my hats are off to the people that uh, did, did a wonderful job with us because, um, you know, we got through it. But um, my mother was extremely sad after one of these uh, events had happened. And I just happened to, it was a summer, summer day and my mother was out front here, right here in this house that I'm in. And um, she was out front watering the the front with her posies. And I just happened to look over and there was this beautiful blonde woman 
standing behind my mother. And I thought, who is that woman? And she was just gorgeous. I mean, she just, she was so beautiful. She had, uh, it was like it radiated off of her. I, I don't know how else to explain it, but uh, I didn't see her face, just her from the backside, very shapely, very young, um, incredible legs. But, um, you know, and she was wearing this dress and the legs were, uh, I would say it was, uh, uh, it would have been a dress you would have seen in the 50s style dress, summer dress with uh, kind of a print on it. It was kind of, it had a floral pattern, like white with flowers. That's how it was. It was one of those bright summer dresses that you, you know, you see women wear. And uh, I saw this and I was just, I just gotten out of the shower. So I was just passing to the laundry room to go get uh, um, another towel because the one I had was not the best shape. So I'm running out and I go through and I go, oh, there's this gorgeous woman. I'm going to check her out. So I come back from the, uh, you know, I go run in really quick and get, get myself all spruced up, you know, get the, get the new towel, dry off, slick my hair back. And I run out there to go see. And, and I go, my mother's standing there alone. And I go, where's the woman that was behind you? And she goes, what woman? I said, let me tell you what she looked like. And she, I sat there and told her this and she goes, Oh, that sounds like my mother. (laughs) So I can't believe I was checking out my own grandmother as a young woman ghost. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing, you know, (laughs) but anyway, um, and, and although it sounded like it, I don't know. It could have been, uh, one of my mother's guides. It could have been, uh, any number of, you know, you know, spiritual entities, but, um, I will say this, it, the brightness of her and the, the radiance, uh, now that I look back on it all these years later, it was like, it was, it was unearthly, you know? So, um, but I've, you know, that's one of many, many apparitions I've had the chance to see, you know, uh, on this place and <coughs> excuse me, in other places. Um, let me see. Let me go back to, uh, oh yes. Uh, uh, my producer's talking about the, uh, body of the American Indian. Um, in 2015, we did a case, uh, it was right around August, if I remember right. Um, August, early September of 2015. And we, I went out, uh, wanted to go see petroglyphs for ourselves. And these were 13,000 year old petroglyphs, uh, just to the east of pyramid Lake. There's a dry lake bed there. And, uh, I managed to find the exact GPS coordinates of these petroglyphs, which, um, if you know what you're looking for, you could find them. Uh, but the rules are that you cannot walk up on them without somebody with the permission, without the permission of the Paiute Indian tribe who, whose land you are on. And so we respected that. Uh, but we got there um, about, I'd say about two in the morning. And uh, I immediately had a run in with two black bear. Um, I literally was walking towards that area to uh, look out into the night to see what was going on, if I could sense anything. And I was found myself about 40 feet from two very large black bears looking at me. 
And uh, literally, I mean, every hair was standing up on my body, and I can book it back for the van that we, we came in. And so I hop in the van. I'm going, do not go out there. And um, so anyway, uh, these bears ran off the second that I saw them. They saw me, and they took off. So it was not like one of those things where they're on the attack. But uh, I felt some other weird stuff going on. So I thought, well, I'm just going to stand outside for a second. So I get out, and I'm just standing there. And uh, all of a sudden, this presence, I could feel this presence. And it manifested in front of me, but it was a human being. It was an American Indian. uh, And he was split down the middle. What I saw was only the right side of him, from my perspective, the right side of him. I saw the right side only. There was nothing on the left. It was the strangest apparition I have ever seen other than a pair of legs with dungarees running around. Um, and this one lasted for all of maybe three seconds. And he, the the eyeball was looking right at me. I mean, it was eye contact between the two of us. And um, uh, I almost got the feeling we were being told, you know, you stay out of this place. And, uh, and, and I just, I just kind of mentally went, okay. And, uh, I said, we're not going in there. We're just here to respectfully look at what you have here from a distance and photograph it from with our equipment, but we're not going to go walk up to it. You know, we're respecting your, your, um, territory. And with that, that was the end of it. I mean, no more presences, no more anything. We, uh, we, uh, I did some time-lapse photography of it. I've got my own private, uh, set of photographs from all of that mission. And, um, uh, it was a it was a wonderful th- you know visit, but yeah, um, those petroglyphs through there in the Paiute Reservation, they are quite haunted, you know. And uh, nobody, you know, this is the this is actually the first uh, I think that anybody has talked about that uh, at that particular site. Um, I would love to go back, you know, but with the gas prices and all the things going on and uh, the world, I don't know, you know, you know, don't know if we're going to get to it this year, but I would like to go back. Um, Anyway, uh, let's see what else we have. Yeah, that that Indian thing that was freaky. I've never seen any spirit do that. Um, let me see. Well, you know the thing is, um, the uh, those petroglyphs are thirteen thousand years old, and that's from a time in history when um, a lot of cultures were going through some really strange times with the weather. Um, Something happened 13,000, 13,500 years ago with some sort of cataclysmic impact that hit the planet. And um, all these cultures are basically talking about the same thing. And here we have these, uh, I think it's, uh, I can't remember the name of the lake. It's a, it's a dry lake bed east of, uh, east of uh, Pyramid Lake. But that whole area was basically a lot more, there was a lot more water back then going through that area and um you know there the tribes that lived there were dealing with uh you know all, all manner of problems you know from the weather you know, but they were making their living off uh, living next to the lake and there was you know plenty of resources for them um for those that are interested in bigfoot uh in that general vicinity there were the red-haired giants and um I can't help but think that some of the uh, petroglyphs may have dealt with the fact that these things were living up there. And evidently, um, they got, 
it got to be a bit of a war between the uh, American Indians there in Nevada and the Red Deer Giants. And uh, the story goes that uh, eventually they trapped them, they wore them down and trapped them in a cave and burned burned them out in the cave and basically ended the reign of these red-haired giants. Except if you go to the north part of Nevada, to the extreme north part towards the Idaho border, there are cases of uh, and stories about these things to this day. And uh, the fact is that some of these are extremely territorial and they will make no bones about letting you know they don't like you in their territory. Um, I'd have to look up some of the stories, but anyway, we kind of got off on that, that whole little thing there. Uh, what do we got? I got about five minutes left. Uh, we can have some fun with this. Yeah, they were eating, uh, eating it, uh, definitely eating the kids and grabbing the women. Yeah. Not a good bunch. You know, if they ever ghost hunted the pyramids in Egypt, actually they have, um, oddly enough in my research for the book, uh, Mike, um, uh, for one, uh, Sarah Estep. Uh, Sarah Estep was the founder of the American Association of Electronic Voice uh, Phenomena. And uh, after all of the things that went on with uh, finding out that EVP actually happened, it took it took literally uh, the better part of a century from the time Edison started hearing stuff in 1870. And Thomas Edison, yes, he was into this. Uh, right up to... Uh, uh, Sarah Estep taking, you know, taking an interest in the 1970s herself. Uh, she kind of took up a century after this, you know, getting into all this. And uh, there had been the European uh, discoveries and all this with EVP. Uh, but she went on a trip, and I was just looking at these newsletters today uh, for working on the book. Um, and it ended up, uh, she goes to, I think it was 19... 19- don't quote me, but I think it was a, a 1987, 88, 89 time frame. Yeah. Uh, her and her daughter, uh, Becky Estep, flew out to, uh, they flew out on Royal Dutch Airlines. I happen to remember that. Uh, they flew out to Egypt and they did tour around doing EVP through all of these areas. And they were getting amazing stuff. And uh, yes, they they did uh, they did get some amazing phenomena recorded, um, and uh, some of the EVPs even talked about Sarah having been reincarnated now, but she had lived back then, and she actually had a recording. I think, and I, I hope I'm not mistaken here, but uh, she had a recording talking about standing in you know an EVP saying you're standing in front of your old body, you know. I mean, you want to talk about an interesting feeling for her, but she wrote about it um, at length, and uh, she wrote two different books, uh, Voices of Eternity and uh, one other, and they're both freely available from the uh, uh, com website, if you go there, atransc.com or atransc.org, I can't remember which one, Um, but you can read those books and then also look into the newsletters and read the stories. And uh, it's just amazing what she has to say about that. Uh, as far as other investigations, uh, Josh Gates did a wonderful investigation of King Tut and Common's tomb in the Valley of the Kings, and they were getting EVP there. Um, 
and evidently the uh, the the paranormal evidence that does come out of these places, uh, these spirits are very regal. They have uh, they're not uh, they don't run around being super territorial. They're very uh, stately, very you know not we're better than you, but they're very upper crust. They're very uh, they're regal. They're just being who they were, and uh, they come from a t- particular point of view, and they have very good manners, from what I'm told. So, um, I would love to record there if you know if if, if the opportunity came up. Uh, it, but you know, you got to be really careful when you're going around in other countries and other cultures, and you're doing paranormal work. You know, so um, I would be cautious when you do this stuff. Uh, you never know how people are going to take it, but evidently. Uh, she did check into it and found out that, uh, you know, the, the people were very much behind it and, uh, understood what they were trying to do. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> cool stuff, man. Uh, let's see if there's any more questions here. Uh, let me see. Um, cataclysmic event. Yeah. Dr. Robert Schlock thinks, yeah. Uh, Robert, Sch- Sch- uh, Schlock, he, uh, he got into a real Donnybrook with that, uh, the head of the uh, whole, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, Zawahari, or is, uh, somebody somebody say that for me because I can't, yeah, anyway, everybody's seen him on TV. Um, yeah, uh, Schlock basically did a dating of the water runoff patterns, and it turned out that the uh, weather back in the day when the pyramids and the Sphinx were created, actually the Sphinx, uh, you know, specifically, um, the Sphinx was far older than it's ever been credited to be. And the Egyptology community has always been just aghast at these statements. Um, they're kind of in their own little world there. Um, and they have their beliefs and that's cool. But when you're telling other uh, qualified scientists who really know their stuff, especially geologists who understand uh, water wear and water patterns, and you're looking at the climatology data and all of that all put together, you start to get uh, a picture that, hey, maybe the Egyptology community is not taking into account all this other data. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm of the belief that the uh, – the uh, Sphinx has probably been around better than 25,000 years. That would be my guess. And um, possibly even longer. Um, and then there's other uh, discussions too about the creation of the pyramids. Now, a lot of people say aliens and all that. Um, there are drill marks caused by power tools <laughs> in the pyramids. And it's clear that there was some other major technology that is being missed by everybody except the few who happen to look and go, well, why is that there? And uh, I saw a really innovative uh, uh, paper being discussed where a guy was saying uh, they didn't carry the stones up to the top of the pyramid. They poured them in place. They found out that you could make a slurry out of out of uh, the crushed stone and pour it inside forms and literally just haul the water up and everything you needed and pour them in place and uh, form them up, and then they would move them precisely, move them into place, and boom, you had you didn't have to haul a big stone up there. You just did it a little at a time. And boy, I mean, you want to talk about setting off a firestorm with that one. 
I mean, they don't want to hear that. They want to hear their particular version of how this was all done with the, uh, Egypt. So, uh, yeah, you know, when you start ch- uh, questioning cherished points of view in various disciplines, uh, be prepared to get yelled at a lot. And, uh, you know, in the EVP world, we get this. You know, we're all told that uh, EVPs are all pseudoscience. You know, the powers that be do not want us talking about this. It's pseudoscience. It's, we said this. And um, uh, I will point out something for you guys if you want to check this yourself. Uh, go out on Wikipedia and look up any paranormal topic. And trust me, you, this will actually be true in almost every case. You go in and you look up a paranormal topic, and the first thing you see are the are the claims of the people that are saying this phenomena happens, like EVP people or ghosts or whatever you want. And then science is always placed as the last word in the article. And they make their determination, and they always have the last word. But the words that are used uh, for those that believe, even though we've got mountains of evidence like we played tonight, um, they use purported they used, uh, you know, belief. They use uh, uh, any kind of word that can be used to, uh, you know, conspiracy theory. That's a beautiful one. There's actually a link on my website talking about where conspiracy theory came from. Um, but you start looking at these words, and they all are used to cast doubt. And this is absolutely a pattern throughout Wikipedia. Now, am I saying that there's a group of editors working night and day to do this, you know, stopping it. No, but, uh, I have tried to make changes in Wikipedia with things that I had factual knowledge of, and they have been slapped down by a particular group, um, who make it their point to hold their point of view supreme to the exclusion of all else. And you have to kind of take a look at that and go, Hmm, that's interesting. I quit, I quit even trying to deal with Wikipedia at that point uh, because it just, Clearly, it was a uh, a point of futility for one man to go against you know David against Goliath that way. So I just go around them. I just publish on my site, say what I want. Uh, I don't have to quote. You know, Wikipedia has wonderful uh, articles on a lot of great topics, but as far as um, uh, academic usefulness, uh, very limited. As a matter of fact, when I went through my degree program, um, Wikipedia was uh, very strongly discouraged to be quoted unless you have very specific reasons because the evidence was so unreliable because of this very thing I'm talking about. So yeah, definitely consider that when you're looking for uh, your facts from Wikipedia because they might not be facts. They might be heavily edited. Um, Let me take a look here. Anything else? Everyone who is seriously involved in the pursuit of science becomes convinced that some spirit is manifest in the laws of the universe, one that is vastly superior to that of man, Einstein. Um, yeah, wiki nope. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Um, it's a very funny thing, this universe we live in. Uh, you go look at, um, from the very moment of the Big Bang, uh, through 13.75 billion years of human history, or, or of that human history of 13.75 billion years of uh, history of this universe, of which human history is a very tiny fraction. Um, you see uh, 
this evolution of the material world that we can see that is but a small part of it and you start off with hydrogen you know and then that you know in stars and that turns into helium and then you progress through a whole series of different elements that have you know all these different properties and then if you take the uh, the uh, periodic table of the elements that is a result of all this cooking of elements in stars. This is actually how it's done. It's they're cooked into existence and the naturally occurring elements, which, uh, you know, I think there's, I can't remember. I think it's like 92 out of the so many hundred elements that we uh, know of in this particular plane of existence. Um, there's more than one way to look at these elements and they can be seen in different groupings that if you arrange them in a particular way, they resemble a spiral and um, they have, uh, they're grouped in, they can be grouped in a circular pattern and, you know, and these things don't just happen by accident. This is all by a particular design of the evolution of the universe. And that's where this cult comes from. There's a, I very much believe there is an intelligence force. We call it God. You can call it whatever you want, whatever culture you come from. But that is a uh, very much a uh, an active agent in the continuing evolution of the universe. A lot of people want to say, "Oh, God is dead," and this and that. You know, uh, no, um, no. It's you know, things are still evolving. Um, I'll just I'll cite one thing. I'm not going to get, go on and on because the show's going running over a little bit. But I'll say this: I have been wor- at work. Um, I worked in the defense industry for a lot of years in the propulsion business, and um, I did a lot of work with uh, uh, writing document management systems, secure communication systems. And when we would do our most creative work. Uh, not only uh, other people, but even myself, when I wrote Aeroframe, uh, I could feel this thing behind me spurring me on and being creative. And it was like I was getting help from somewhere else. And uh, many other people have talked about this. I am not the first. But this, uh, the whole notion of the creative muse, if you're going to look into that, uh, do that. Check that out. Look into the creative muse. M-U-S-C. And you will see that uh, once you, you open up to letting creative forces run through you, it connects you to that source. And it's an amazing thing. Now, uh, writing this book, which has occupied the last two months of my life, and I'm learning more about EVP than I ever could have known, um, I'm connected to that source again. And strange things have been happening. Um, I won't go into it too much here, but I will talk about it on the upcoming show. Um, but a lot of strange things are happening. I feel like I'm getting downloads. I wake up in the morning. Um, I, uh, get my coffee, get breakfast and I open up the computer and I don't even know why I'm doing it, but I go to a particular chapter and I find a mistake and I, then I zip over to another place with no apparent reason. And I go there and that's a mistake that needed correcting or they had realizations that suddenly pop into my head. I have no idea where they came from. And then I check them out and they're, they tr- turn out to be true. Um, yeah, I have a feeling uh, I'm in touch with some other force that's uh, coming through. And uh, we would like to think that we have all this um, 
ability to create things on our own, I think we have a lot of help. And I'm going to be the first to admit that, that it isn't all coming from me. I'm just a channel through which it flows. And I think that that's a, a form of mediumship. And um, people who are really creative, who are really doing original work, or they're seeing the world in new ways, um, I think that's what's happening. I think it's a form of mediumship. There's many, many forms of spiritual encounters that we have that we may not even recognize as such. We'll talk about that on a future episode. And I'll talk a little bit about mediumship in the, in the cemetery and how we all do that in the cemetery when we visit our loved ones. We'll talk about that. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and wind it down, you guys. Um, let's see. I don't know how many. I saw we had about, what, seven or eight people that came in. Uh, let me see if there's any final comments here. Um, and anything. Yeah, Winnemucca. Yeah, Winnemucca Lake was the dry lake. Thank you. Thank you, my producer. Debbie Debbie is just a wonderful... She's wonderful. She takes care of me on all this stuff. So I might not see it in time. And then I got to go back and look for it. Um, yes, on Mark and Debbie, uh, archiving the works and all that. I am uh, looking at uh, some of the things that were going on with their work and uh, seeing what we can do to try to preserve that. So, yes, um, I'm trying to get this scroll to come back down. There we go. Uh yeah, and thank you, Debbie, for that. Uh, everything we did tonight with Mark and Debbie, uh, kind of summing this up, uh, everything that we did for them tonight, uh, whatever was driving me to do this show was was definitely not my doing. Um, but I put the work in and did the work with the audio, um, spot checked it, you know, and... Uh, I have a feeling they're both nodding in approval, you know, on the other side right now. Um, whatever happened in 2015 with the events that took place, which were just terrible, um, I, I can only just say that, uh, you know, my prayers go out to them both. And that uh, I do worry sometimes about uh, going in, people going into a lot of the places that are really badly haunted and badly infested. And uh, the warnings they gave about protecting yourself uh, when you go out on investigations, I, I would take this to heart and uh, basically look at it from um, uh, that every single time you go out in a paranormal investigation, uh, definitely do pray about it and uh, or run protection on yourself. There's a million different ways. They were, they were spot on with everything they said. Um, I would say that this show... Uh, covered basically their range of techniques pretty completely and uh that's so that's why i had this strong feeling that it i waited a long time to bring this one out and then uh they were the ones kind of nudging it because i the uh, literally about four months ago i was looking at their website archives on archive.org and i was thinking do i want to take this on and i think that's kind of when um they started coming through for me because i was looking at can I rebuild their site? And I did an assessment, and sure enough, I can do that. Uh, and it's basically uh, not something I would put out in public view, but I would like to restore it so that all of their evidence that we could possibly get is there to be had. So, uh, yeah, uh, everything we're doing with them is out of love. And so for the two of you, Mark and Debbie on the other side, um, rest in peace, but... Uh, 
know that uh, my recorder is open to either of you coming through. So definitely uh, would love to hear from you guys. So anyway, um, Mike, uh, have a great rest of your night. Uh, Ryan, thank you for coming in. To all the lurkers out there, uh, appreciate you being part of the show tonight. Uh, my producer, Debbie, is with me. My dear, big hug and a kiss to you. Thank you for taking care of me on the show. It's always appreciated. I can't do this alone. There's, It's just too big to do by yourself. Um, as for next week, I really haven't decided... Uh, but I will, I will say one thing. I'll just talk a couple of more minutes. I, I did go out on Facebook and, uh, I happened to walk in the door to the near death experience group, which had a hundred thousand members. That should have been my first clue. Uh, sometimes I'm a little dense and what ended up happening was I thought, well, I'll just ask you, I'll just ask if anybody wants to be on the show. Well, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> I thought one or two people was going to show up and want to talk to me i had a cacophony of voices you know and every, you can't believe the people that have come through uh we had the guy on the show last week and he's been really after me to read his pdf he sent me which i have um but unfortunately i'm working on the book so hard i, I can't stop i'm trying to meet my deadline and uh so um i am going to have a near-death experience uh experiencer on the show uh, and I'll probably make it a fairly regular feature that we bring them on. The My biggest concern is as follows. Uh, number one, I don't want to bring somebody on who's uh, made it kind of their business. And um, I would rather somebody come on who's just somebody who had the experience and we can hear their story and go through it in depth and have that come from their heart. And it's not something that's coming out of them uh, because they're selling a book or something. Um, it's going to be more about them coming from their place in their heart of what they really experienced when they met loved ones, when they met God, they met whoever their religious, you know, whatever their religious belief is on the other side. That's where I'm coming from with the kind of guests I'm looking for. So I'm kind of sorting through that list right now. And uh, we'll, we'll bring somebody on that's really good. Um, so next week is kind of up in the air. I don't know what I'm going to do. And it'll, you'll know when I know. <laughs> so anyway, um, have a wonderful rest of your night. Thank you for being part of this. A very special show. And uh, for letting me kind of drone on a little bit after t talking with, uh, you know, having this talk with them back all those years ago with Mark and Debbie. Um. It was just a really good show tonight. I really feel good about this. And, um, you know, for anybody who would be critical of, of us bringing these two back on with, you know, if you'd listen to the show and listen to what they have to say, it speaks for everything about why we, we did this. So, um, all out of love, all out of respect for them and their memory. Rest in peace, both of you two. You take care and for my audience, uh, thank you very much. I'm going to go ahead and wind it down and wish you guys a great rest of your night. This is Soulstream. We've had a great time tonight. God bless. Take care. We'll see you later. Night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>